What's up, guys? Evolution.org podcast coming your way. TC here. Rick is in the house. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? So, guys, I'm really, really excited. Um, we're going to be doing a special number 300 podcast. I'm going to tell you something. It's very hard for any podcast to go 300 episodes, and we've done it, and we have we we blew through it. And it's a credit to you guys. It's a credit to our sponsors um, who sponsored the show, N2BM.com. And we're really grateful for them for um, supporting us the whole way. So we have a really special show, guys. We're going to have a lot of topics. All the topics you guys have sent in all are going to be talked about in this episode. So let's start with the first one. I'm going to bring in Rick really early on this one because it's a really interesting one. And this is a guy, he's saying he's going through a brutal divorce. I swear to God, guys, we're not making this story up. So this is actually a true story what this guy's going through. And I've heard this story before on the forum. So it's very, very important. He's going through a br brutal divorce. His ex, you know, wife, soon to be ex-wife, took his testosterone to the cops, to the police station. And the cops actually told her that they didn't care because it's not illegal to have. So she got pissed. She hammered him in the family court, says the court, the judge in the family court ordered to have his levels checked. He's been on self TRT for every year. So he doesn't have a script for it. And he wants to know what he should do to kind of uh, avoid getting busted for being on something um, and having that affect his divorce. So he's saying he's already on antidepressants. He's already on anti-anxiety medications. From the torture this woman continues to put him through. And divorce really, really sucks. So he wants to know, can I use HCG to bring my free testosterone levels up? He says he's running 300 milligrams per week of the self-TRT. And he wants to know if that would be an acceptable level on the test. So now, and then he's saying I could switch from test to anadrol or something short acting and then crash my levels and go in. And it says that her lawyer is apparently going to look at my test results. That's what he says. He's basically saying that um, he's had problems because he was thrown in jail because she punched him and she called the cops. She, he called the cops and she fled drunk. Then she cried abuse and he's saying he got profiled because he has a lot of tattoos. So they threw him in jail. So says, when I got the kids, the money, everything we own, gone, credit cards maxed out, line of credit maxed out. He hasn't seen her in nine months now, but he pays over half his paycheck in support and alimony. Pretty wild story. That's the tip of the iceberg. And then he says, feel free to laugh at me. So Rick, I got to bring in Rick early on this one. Rick, what's your thoughts on this email? Man, it really, really sucks what this guy's going through, huh? Yeah. Uh, he also mentioned uh, on the thread there when I read it that he didn't want to get off the steroids because he was already depressed and he felt it would make him uh, feel worse because he just has to get off the sauce. If he gets off the sauce and he can find ways to, to delay the test legally, he should be able to work that out somehow with his lawyer. I uh, just get off the steroids and then he'll, he should test pretty good within decent ranges uh, within a couple of weeks, depending, I mean, you know, depending on what he's taking, but 
just get off the sauce. Um, if you're concerned that it's going to affect your mental state, you know, the steroids, look, man, you, you're already taking some medications to help you with that, right? You'll be fine. Um, if, you, if you want something to give you that, that little bit of a androgen high without the actual steroids, Tribulus, works, Tribulus actually works quite great uh, to help you feel like you have higher test levels than you actually do. It, it works well for, for that purpose. Uh, but you just got to practice a little bit of mental clarity and, and maybe some meditation and just get through it. You have to get off the steroids, dude, because they're going to use that as leverage to mess you up in there because it is an illegal drug and it will be used against you. So just get off of it. You know, that's, the, that's my opinion. And find other ways, uh, other healthier ways to enhance your mood you probably shouldn't be using steroids for that purpose, in, in my opinion. What do you think, Steve? Well, first of all, 300 milligrams a week of a TRT dose, that's insane because that's going to put your testosterone levels. Let's, let's you know, guesstimate 125 milligrams is going to put you around 600. So if you're doing like about 250, it's probably going to put you in the low to mid 1000s and 300 is probably going to put you a little over 2000. So if you do get the blood work, you're on 300 milligrams. That's not even a TRT dose in the first place. So you're fucking yourself up for no reason. And uh, that's not helping your anxiety. That's not helping your depression to overdose on TRT. Okay. That doesn't, that's not the way TRT is. TRT is to replace what your body would naturally produce. So if you would just run a normal TRT dose, and run your own blood work. Um, you can come on the forum, check my signature. I tell you how to do it. You can run your own blood work, confirm your blood work is in range. You should be good. Your other option is do what Rick said. Just come off everything. Stop fucking with steroids. Don't fuck with Anadrol because it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause your blood work to be um, all messed up. And then the lawyer is probably going to tell the judge, wow, this guy has a fucked up blood work. His liver values are sky high. He's probably an alcoholic. So that you can't, that's not going to work for you either. So just come off everything, man. It's going to take you four, five weeks tops for the, for the steroids to be out of your system and it won't show up in the blood work. So that's what you got to do in terms of your divorce, bro. Try to get it done as soon as possible, bro. Put it behind you. Yeah. She's fucking you over alimony, child support and all this stuff. But listen, you know, you know, you can't harp on it, bro. Life is all about, ups and downs. And I've been through a lot of ups and downs. Rick's been through a lot of ups and downs. We all have. So as soon as you get it past you, the better, you know, and just move on with your life. Anything else add, Rick? And don't be afraid to seek help. It wasn't a bad idea to post about it on the forums. There are a lot of guys there that go through the same things you might be going through. And, you know, get a counselor, get somebody to help you that you can talk to about how you feel about how things are going. That's, that's important. Get help. So if you do come off the steroids so that you test, your tests aren't all messed up for court and you start to feel down and not so great, you know, see someone, you know, see someone and get some help. I think we have a lot of uh, first world problems, you know, that, that we go through and um, you just got to put things in perspective. As long as you can keep good handle over your mind, over your emotions and keep your body healthy. Uh, you'll be you'll be okay. Just don't let things overwhelm you. You know, try to take control of things um, in your mind and in your heart a little bit, and find help. 
definitely see a, see a doctor, see a counselor, somebody you can talk to if you start to feel down and, you know, don't, don't go at it alone, you know, get help. That's what, uh, that's what they're there for. And the last one, as far as the divorce, man, it sounds tough. Relationships are hard. And it's one of the reasons I said I would never uh, get married again. In a situation this toxic, the way he's describing, it'd be great if you could just kind of walk away. Like, we're both done here. All right, let's go. But now you, um, now you have the additional toxicity of being dragged through the system, which, you know, sucks. So, so yeah, for sure, man. Best of luck to you, buddy. What do you think about what he said about being profiled? Because he has tattoos, like from um, head to toe tattoos. Do you think that that's uh, going to hold up in court? Like, do you think that the judge would actually look at him and be like, wow, this guy's got tats and uh, strike against them? If it's like maybe a conservative judge or something? Well, what state is he in? I'm, I mean, look, he, um, what state is he in? Does he, does he say in his threat? He does not say, no. He doesn't say. Um, look, you're the guy. She's a female. It's a good chance that if the police are called, you might be the one going to jail unless you have some like good witnesses and, or maybe video or, or something like that. But there's a good chance cops come they're They're putting someone away because a lot of times it, it does happen that a couple has a fight. It seems to be okay. The cops leave and then someone ends up badly hurt or dead afterward later on that night. So it, it, in most states, when the cops come to the scene, it's a couple fighting. Someone's got to go to jail. If you're the guy, chances are you might go to jail. And also, Steve, we're only hearing one side of the story, you know, um, respect to him. But we don't know what he was acting like when the police got there and and what kind of uh, what kind of uh, argument she had against him. So there's a lot of uh, factors there. But, yeah, people, you know, people get, get profiled. But I think nowadays, bro... I don't know. Tattoo. I think as long as you behave as a gentleman, whatever, man, tattoos, whatever color you are, whoever you are. I think nowadays we're everywhere, almost everywhere you go, just behave as a gentleman. Shouldn't have issues. So I don't, I don't think tattoos matter anymore, man, at all. Really some really well-respected people in, in pretty much every industry or every genre, niche, whatever you want to call it, have are tatted out somewhat. So it, it's not an issue, I think, anymore. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? <laughs> I, I mean, I think it would. I think it would. I had this conversation with, um, you know, my ex had a son who's college age. I had this conversation with him because he's he's into the alternative lifestyle. And he's one of those guys, you know what I'm talking about? He's into the alternative lifestyle. Um, he likes to wear, you know, the chains around his belt. He likes to wear the baggy jeans. He likes to you know, have a nose ring or a, a, a ring up on his um, eyelid or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like those types of people. Like and, people uh, that work at coffee shops. Like people who work at Whole, used to work at Whole Foods. Uh, like uh, or coffee shops or, yeah. or yeah, okay. Like the, you know, but I mean, I had this conversation with him and he, he gets upset because he's like, people profile me, especially the older generation, even his own family members. They profile him. Get my latte. Yeah, I mean, what they profile him, you know, as being a drug addict and all this stuff, and, and he didn't like it. And I told him, I'm like, dude, that's that's life. And he like looked at me, I'll show you. I'm like, dude, like when I when I go to the bank or I go to see uh, uh, an accountant or I go to something like that, I dress in a in a nice nice slacks, nice shirt, tie, 
I comb my hair, I shave, I do all that shit because it makes a difference. You walk into a bank, you know, with shorts and a fucking uh, wife beater and it looks like, you know, you didn't even shower all day and your hair is all messed up. They're going to treat you like shit. That's just life. So, I mean, absolutely. Like how you present yourself, whether it's on a date, whether it's an interview, it matters. And, um, you know, it, it really does. First impressions are very, very important. So absolutely, like, it can make a whole thing. So if, if this guy got, if the cops got called out to his house and this guy is like tatted up from head to toe and he's sweating and he's got problems with depression and anxiety and the cops sense this guy is off and, um, you know, he's a big dude on steroids, obviously they're going to take him to jail. She's like a little petite girl, you know? So I, it, it's absolutely makes a difference. That's just, that's just how it goes. So that's, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I think. And uh, at least with the I think, older generation. I think attitude, I think attitude and the way you, you handle yourself make a huge difference. Even, even over how you're happen to be dressed at the moment. I think how you speak to people, um, I contact from grip on when you greet them. I mean, just those things, the way you handle yourself, I think make a huge difference too. And if the cops get cold on the scene and you seem like you don't have a lot of control over yourself, um, they're automatically going to be watching you, you know? But if you're calm, you're collected, good eye contact, not, you know, don't look like you're out of it, you'll be fine. They'll listen to you. They'll, they'll look at you as someone on the scene who's, who's going to help them, not, not someone there that, that needs to be detained, held out, <laughs> you know, beaten. So just uh, demeanor, I think, yeah, for sure. And in every situation, you know, anywhere you, anywhere you go, everything you do, I think just also the way you carry yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this is the question I got sent in to Rick. Buying steroids in 2020 says, what guys, what are guys going through that want to get juice and how hard or easy is it? So I'm going to bring in Rick first on this one. What do you think about this question, Rick? Well, it, it seems like a lot of guys are getting local juice nowadays. It's, there's a big resurgence in the local dealer. It's huge. And now almost anyone has it. Ordering online, um, most of the UG labs online are, are, you know, there's some decent local ones, but a lot of the stuff is coming from overseas. It's, it's getting harder and harder to get it into the country now through customs. It's, it's tough, and, and there is um, no real regulation or no real testing for, for heavy metals for some of these, for some of these uh, labs. Um, from talking to people, it seems like there's some pretty decent labs out in India where they do test for heavy metals, and they, they post their tests on their websites, and they do all this great stuff. They just can't ship it anywhere because Indian customs on the way out is very tight. And they, uh, those are UG labs for the local market. They have a really hard time trying to ship anything out of India. So you won't be finding that in the U.S. But, but when it comes to just UG labs, man, it's just tough. No testing. And, and I, I see the, the, the gym dealer is back. The gym dealer is back, and, and there's a ton of them. And almost every trainer can find it if, if, you, if you ask the right way. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's a resurgence. And... And those guys kind of went away a little bit during the, the mid-90s and, and early 2000s. 
you didn't have a lot of gym dealers anymore because before then it was only gym dealers before mail order. And then during mail order, everything got cheap and people started getting, getting everything online a lot cheaper than at the gym. But now, now they're back. It's, it's incredible. I mean, you notice that Steve? I've noticed a lot of changes over the years for sure. When I first started coming on the forums, um, the way I originally uh, found it out was through a friend of a friend. Um, I found a website, I ordered it. It was very expensive. Um, it had to be shipped in from another country. Um, so, but it was pharma grade gear and um, you know, it was very, very good quality. So, but over the years, there's been so many sources, underground labs that popped out. I think the peak, the underground lab thing happened maybe two, three years ago, maybe even four years ago. And um, like everybody was just making gear out of their own uh, bathtub and uh, selling it, you know, on these forums. And um, the quality of the gear went to shit, like you were saying, you know, and uh, they don't even know what they were making because they're ordering raws themselves and they're trusting that those raws are legit and we know that's not the case we know that if you order anavar and raws from china you're probably going to get something else so i don't think you know i i don't think that it's a good idea just to buy bathtub gear off some random dude on some forum <laughs> so you know, so we've come a long way um, when it comes to that. And, uh, you know, on our, on our website, Evolutionary Elite Fitness, we try to steer you in the right direction when it comes to sources. So um, that's how it goes. But I think it's a mix. I think if you're buying steroids in person from someone, you know, they're getting it from someone and they're making a little profit selling it to you. So where did they get it from? You know, that's, that's the thing. So it really, really depends, you know, where you get the steroids, but at the end of the day, you gotta trust your source. That's the key. Cause if you don't trust your source, you're going to be wasting your time on these steroids. You're not even going to know I've run plenty of bunk steroids myself and it is not fun. And it's, it seems like every state, every uh, area has a guy or two that are making SARMs and steroids you know, just found a way to get the powders in or deal with Chinese uh, that get them in, who knows. But it just seems that way. Like there's a, there's a local movement and, and uh, it's pretty interesting to see. It's, it's back, it's back everywhere, man. It's back at the, in the gym dealers, back at the stores even. There's a, a resurgence again in, in just private stores. You know, a guy who has two or three little stores <laughs> you'd be really surprised how how uh how if you become a, a regular um you know you, you'll you'll find a hookup so and yeah like steve said where do they get it from it seems like for most people uh it gives them a level of comfort to look their guy in the eye the person selling them their stuff and to have someone they could go and actually in person complain to if things aren't aren't well so maybe that is because the quality of the gear has has declined so much over the years um, with pretty much human grade and vet grade being almost all gone out of the market in the U.S. basically, uh, that maybe, you know, just looking your guy in the eye just gives you an extra level of comfort, seems like. I don't know. 
but they're back for sure. <laughs> they're so back, bro. Everywhere. Stores, gyms, trainers. I mean, you you name it, bro. It's back. So that, that you know, we can follow up with that. How about steroid quality in 2020 versus how it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? How are steroid brands moving today with quality? What do you think about that one, Rick? I think Bill Llewellyn's kits, those, those steroid testing kits, you know, put a real fire on their the UGs, uh, but to, to not mess up, you know, because it was, it was just too easy to switch things out. But now someone can buy a $25 kit and, and test their gear and, and see if they're getting what they paid for, you know, they're getting the compound that they paid for. So that, that's helped, you know, that's helped quite a bit. But before that, you know, again, between the time that vet grade, real vet grade and, and human grade just kind of dried up, and until and until the kits um, became prevalent, I mean, man, you didn't you didn't really know what you were getting. There were a couple of brands that you could sort of trust, but it it was you didn't know what you were gonna get, especially at a local level. It was really rough. But I, I think I think recently technology obviously always comes to to the rescue. Sometimes comes to the rescue, and uh, I think those, those kits, those testing kits, have have come a long way. All right, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I these the the problem too, Rick. Though these testing kits, it's kind of like getting a pregnancy test. You know, the pregnancy tests are not hundred percent accurate. They even say it on the package. But even more than that, these these test kits that people get like off the off online, they've been shown to be wrong. So really, the only way to test is actually have it sent off and get tested like a university or something. That'd be the only way to know. So you're kind of do, you know, screwed either way. So like, it goes back to what I was saying in a previous. Question. Yeah. They can't do, po po they can't do potency and they can't test for contamination. That stuff you got to send it away for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it goes back to what I said before. You have to trust your source, try to get a source with pharmacy grade gear and uh, you'll know, you'll know the difference when you use it. You'll know, wow, this is pharma grade. I paid almost twice as much for pharma grade versus underground uh, toilet gear that some, you know, meth dealer in a trailer in the middle of some state, you know, and then somewhere in the middle of nowhere made and he made it. It's still, you know? it's, it's all still made in the, in some, somewhere. If it's made in, you know, my Vlad in the, in the Ukraine or something, <laughs> it's all made, you know, or, you know, some guy in India. I mean, it's it's all it's all made somewhere. Now. It's not it's not like it used to be back when you and I were young, man. It's not it's not like back in the day where you were like scratching the amps to see if they were really the the sharing amps that you that you purchased. Nowadays, is yeah, like you said, you got to just trust your guy, develop. You got to develop like a friendship with these guys now. It's incredible, and you know, and that brings some accountability, and and you know, you have a voice now. If if you're not happy with something, you have a voice you have rapport yeah, definitely different now it's you're right it's more trusting about the source themselves than even the, the brand the product it's, itself is it's something else now and, 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 and i guess for and i guess for guys that have only been been using steroids the last 10 years buying steroids the last 10 years to them it doesn't seem like a change it's always been like this now but you know what i'm talking about how, how it was back in the days changed a lot what changed a lot too is a lot of people don't realize that back 
in our day, Rick, you, like you said, you could scratch whatever off the label. You could, you know, if the number was at a certain place on the vial or the amp, it meant it was fake or it meant it was real. And it's hilarious that now you can, anyone can just buy a printer from Office Depot and print out the same exact label as a pharmacy grade and slap the label on, put it in a nice looking box and sell us as pharmacy grade. So you see pharmacy grade gear being fake all over the world and it's being sold and it's being fake. Even like the, the, the most expensive pharmacy grade Primo, which is the bear brand. Most of the bear brand out there is fake because any, anyone can just print out the same fucking label and same fucking box and, and, and ship it. So you know, it's, it's people always trying to like hustle and do that, that type of thing. So that's what's changed as well in the past 20 years. And, uh, you know, that's actually a good way to get busted by um, stepping on the toes of a uh, big pharma. That's how we've seen. Um, there was a guy, remember, he was friends with Boston Lloyd and he got busted. He, they put him, put him away for 15 or 20 years because he was doing that. He was uh, copying the same uh, pharmacy grade company. Um, he was calling it a, a similar name and slapping the labels on. It was the exact same thing and selling it. And uh, whether his gear was legit or not is not the point. The point was the pharmacy company did not like that. So they got their buddies in, in government to, to bust them. And that's what happened. So, yeah, it's, that's how it goes, too. So you can't necessarily just trade you know, a trust pharmacy. Great. And I've heard even like people going to Mexico and walking into the pharmacy and getting steroids and steroids being uh, no good. So, I mean, you hear, you hear that too. So I, what do you think about that one, Ray? Is that, uh, is that something that could happen? Mexico's hot. You know, that's the problem. Mexico's hot because it's been a steroid market for so long and they're wise to, to robbing gringos. So Mexico is, is, is hard. It depending where you go to, but pretty much any other country out there um, besides Mexico, keep going on down the line, you walk into any pharmacy, buy as much testosterone as you want, anti-estrogens, and, you know, you could go to, a, to any uh, supplement store, you know, that sells uh, supplements for bodybuilders, and they'll get you a hookup for pretty much any kind of gear you want. It's just nobody cares about it. In the U.S., they're putting people in jail over it, big operations to keep steroids out of the streets. But for the most part, you know, the rest of the world doesn't, doesn't really care. You know, you get some enforcement up in Canada, the UK here and there, you know, some Europe once in a while, but for the most part, it's just not a, it's not a thing. So it's it puts definitely the U S market at a huge disadvantage. A lot of fakes, a lot of a counterfeit, a lot of bootleg uh, products hit the market and that's just what you what you get with the enforcement. You make it so profitable. You know, it's so profitable for somebody to make a, a lookalike and just put it on the market. They don't have to go through the trouble of importing anything and going through customs or anything. They just fake it and, and push it out there. And it's, you know, it, it's happening. It's happening right now. It's probably a guy making uh, fake shit right now to put on the market. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Uh... But that's how it goes. I mean, in this in this thing. So let's pivot a little bit into diet. So let's talk about if it fits your macros. The uh, I I F Y M counting macros, counting calories, um, and talk about this 
um, and why I don't recommend guys count calories in, in these uh, calculator apps. So let's, let's cut to the chase and just talk about calories. Calories is a number, guys. So different foods partition differently in the body. So if you consume a slice of pizza from um, you know, any of these uh, franchise pizza shops, you know, the, the ingredients are extremely inferior. The tomato sauce is not even real. It's probably got like 30 ingredients in it. The cheese isn't legitimate cheese. It's got 30 ingredients in it. The bread's got 30 ingredients in it. It's all processed, refined flours, all that crap. You put that in your body, even if it's two slices of that pizza, which is 500 calories, right? Okay, not to mention they use refined oils to help it, you know, taste good and be a preservative. So you got 500 calories from two slices of pizza compared to 500 calories in a, 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 a cup and uh, you know a cup or two of uh, raw almond, raw organic organic almonds. You're telling me that your body is going to react the same to both of those things? I don't think so. So different foods, guys, partition differently. So this is why I hate these calorie counting apps and Weight Watchers and eating in a small deficit every day or eating in a small surplus or eating in a big surplus or a big deficit. I don't like that guys, because what ends up happening is you'll eat in a, you'll, you're trying to lose weight. So you'll eat in a deficit. So at the end of the day, you're like, well, my maintenance is 2,500 and I'm only at 1500 on a day. So let me have a couple slices of pizza. Let me have a donut. Let me have a slice of cake because it's only 500 calories. It's not going to put me over maintenance. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight. No, you're not. Because even if you're in a caloric deficit and you're consuming stuff like that, your body's still going to store food. Okay. It's still going to store fat from those types of foods. Because like I said, different foods partition differently. So what I tell guys that I work with is throw away these, these calculator calorie counting apps count all the stuff. We've never used this in the history of man. No animal on earth uses it. Okay. Um, and you will succeed in your fitness goals much, much smarter, much more efficiently. If you don't do that, if you just stick to a natural whole food diet, um, and you know, not, not natural whole food diet guys, unrefined cold pressed oils, prepping your food, Stay away from refined sugars, guys. Eat stuff that come, came out of nature. You can't go wrong. Hormone-free meat, grass-fed beef, stuff like that. You know, humane-friendly eggs that are pastured, chickens. Just stick to the, to the high-quality foods. And you'll be much more successful instead of counting your calories. Now, do calories matter? I'm not saying they don't. I'm not saying you can go eat 10,000 calories of natural foods and not have a problem because you will obviously but i'm saying you shouldn't need to count your calories guys just use common sense when you're when you're eating food stick to natural diet the people who drive me crazy are these people on forums or these personal trainers who are ripped they've been ripped their whole fucking life they've never been fat they were the jocks in high school they were the captain of the football team and then they hot they get hired by some fat person and uh at the gym and that we're online or whatever. And then they fucking tell them, yeah, you're going to eat in a 250 calorie deficit every day. And you're, you're going to go from being 300 pounds to being ripped like me. No, it doesn't work like that. The guy who's already ripped, he's already lean. So that, that works for him, but someone who's fat, you can't just eat in a fucking small deficit every day and lose weight. Another reason why you can't 
is because if you're eating a deficit every day, you, your metabolism goes down. So you slow your metabolism down. So you will lose weight initially, then you'll come to a screeching halt, and then you'll end up gaining everything back and more. We see it all the time with these stupid crash diets like the ACG diet where people eat 500 calories a day. Um, so Rick, I mean, what's your thoughts on this IFFYM craze? Look, uh, if it fits your macros, I think you should just have a wholesome, good, organic diet as much as you possibly can. Get your food from good sources. And if it fits your macros, meaning you have a set uh, plan of calories and macros you're, you're doing in a day, I, it's great it's, if you're doing a, a supplement program, a steroid cycle, a cut. And if you, you, know, you give yourself goals and dates and weeks by which you want to achieve certain things and then you count your calories with, with a coach, you know, hire Steve even for something more specific like that. And you're going through a whole progress. You have an amount you want to lose, the amount of cardio you're doing. That makes sense. That's, that's cool. And that's hot. I, I do that all the time, just the challenges for myself like that. But just on a daily basis, just regular life, um, don't need to count them all the time, man. Just look in the mirror, see how you feel. Uh, some days you're just going to be a little bit hungrier than others. You know, eat a little bit more. Some days you're not going to feel as hungry as others. Don't just force yourself to eat because it's time to eat. Be real conscious of it. Your mood can affect it. You know, you might have um, a certain meal that should have lasted you, you know, should have gave you enough energy, but something came up that took up a lot of energy and now you're not, not feeling great. But, oh, my next feeding time is not for X amount of time I can't eat yet. Nah, you don't have to treat yourself that harshly. Unless you have, again, a show you're going to, some kind of regimen you're trying to follow, a, a, a steroid cycle that you're really trying to get your money's worth out of, you know, a supplement program you're really trying to get your money's worth out of. No, and it's no need to really count calories and, and keep track to that, to that, to that detail just on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis. And good, wholesome foods that fit into, you know, proper portions for your size and for what you're looking to do. Portion control is, is probably one of the most important things is portion control. So eat, you know, because you can also eat too much of, of some of the good things. And, and the number one rule, just stay away from sugar. Stay away from sugar. Stay away from processed uh, fats. And, and sugars mostly, as long as you, you stay away from sugar, that's like half of the battle right there. If you can stay the hell away from sugar, from simple carbs, that's half of the battle. You're, you're almost there because that makes everything else much easier because then you're not overcome by hunger the way you are when you do uh, indulge in, in sugars throughout your day. So, so yeah, that's it, man. I mean, just uh, wholesome foods, good whole foods. Make sure that they're organic, good sources, grass-fed beef, cage-free uh, eggs, free-range uh, chickens uh, when you have meat. I mean, just it's more expensive, but if you maybe – I'd rather just – I'd rather invest my, my funds into good foods for my body than, you know, anything external. Anything external, just my opinion. I think it's probably the best investment you can make is – is what you feed your body and I wouldn't really spare um, cost there. I would try to get the best foods I can always. Yeah. One of the most unnatural things you can do guys is eat the same foods every day, the same calories every day, the same macros every day. That's actually an unnatural diet because if you think of your, our ancestors, they ate, they look for food 
if they found food, they ate whatever they found, that they don't know what they were going to find. They might find some berries. They might find a snake. They might find a fucking pig. They might find um, a deer. They might find uh, some, some spinach on the ground. Like, they didn't know what they were going to find. So, I mean, if you eat the same thing every day, the same calories every day, that's the stupidest thing you could do. It's most unnatural diet. Now, what Rick was saying, bring, Rick brings up a good point. If you're a, com- a competitor, you're a bodybuilder, you're working with a coach, He's probably going to put you in a calorie deficit, obviously, going into your show. And then when, you, when you're done with the show, you're going to blow back up. That's what the off-season's for, right? So that's the way it goes. You cut, you bulk, you cut, you bulk. But if you're an average Joe, like 99% of us, that's, you just want to look good year-round. So in that situation, you want to cycle what you're eating on a daily basis. Cycle your carbs, cycle your calories. Some, some days you eat nothing. Some days you just fast the whole fucking day. Some, some days you may eat 3,000, 4,000 calories of good quality foods. Some days you might eat 500 calories, but you don't go every day. And you're like, I'm going to eat in a 200 calorie deficit and I'm going to track my calories. And at the end, at 9 p.m., I'm 200 calories short of where I'm supposed to be for the day. So let me go and grab a, a little slice of pizza because I got that 200 calories to make up. Doesn't make sense. That's the stupidest thing ever. Okay, it doesn't even make any fucking sense, guys. So use common sense on this stuff. One of the things I recommend, guys, everybody should be doing, okay? <clears throat> Whether you are intermittent fasting, you're doing 18-6, you're doing 20 slash four, you're doing 22 times two, you're eating in a two to six hour window, great. That's, that's great. Intermittent fasting is a great lifestyle. I practice it pretty much five, six times a week myself. There may be one day a week where I'll, have, I'll eat a little earlier in the day where I'm in a bigger window. But for the most part, I practice that. Also, you must, guys, incorporate some longer fasts in there. 24-hour, 36-hour, maybe even 72-hour fast every other week or every three weeks. Very, very important, guys, to get the maximum benefits, guys. That 20-hour mark is when the magic happens. The autophagy starts happening. The fat loss starts really kicking in. Um, the growth hormone goes sky high in the body. Your growth hormone actually will increase incrementally during a fast into four or five, the first four or five days of fasting. So really a five-day fast or seven-day fast is fantastic. If you want to boost your growth hormone and you want to lose some fat. And the nice thing about fasting, guys, versus these stupid calorie deficit diets that I hate is that when you fast, We've seen the science. The science is on my side on this. The science says that your metabolism does not drop when you're fasting. And in some cases, it actually goes up. But when you're eating in a caloric deficit and all your fat friends complain they can't lose weight, they can't lose weight, it's because their metabolism drops. Isn't that amazing? So fasting, guys, is so effective for not only losing fat, but also gaining lean quality muscle because of the boost in growth hormone. So fasting, you know, should be part, no matter what, where you are, guys, fasting is definitely something you want to add to your diet. And I tell that to all my clients. It's, it's something that it's really, really necessary because we've been fasting since the beginning of time. Some days we could not find food and we didn't eat that day. Same thing with animals, lions, they may not eat for two, three days. And bears go m- a month or two or three without even eating when they hibernate. So it's all over with every animal, even yeast, we know fast. So that's, that's kind of amazing.
yeah, we, we didn't have food available to us six times a day, three times a day. I mean, not, not every day. Sometimes we couldn't even drink the water. The water could, could go foul for whatever reason. And you, uh, you know, you and your village and your group of people might end up being in a situation where you might have to travel by foot for, you know, three, four, five, six days before you can find a, a water source that wasn't fouled. Yeah, absolutely. So everything, you know, everything, everything from uh, everything from a small, you know, volcano uh, uh, puff to uh, even uh, some kind of seismic movement can actually do things to spoil your water supply. And this is just this how humans survive, you know, exercising, basically walking for days with no food and no water until then you may find some animals that you have to, you know, overpower. To, to feed on, or you might find some uh, plant uh, food sources that you have to, you know, climb up and get. You, our bodies do adjust and can adjust to not, to, to fasting, basically. And it's, it's a healthy practice to just continue to, to do it now uh, that we don't really need to anymore. Yeah, so, yeah, guys, so um, um, the next one, guys, let's talk about... Um, you know, what can people expect from steroids? Let's just jump to back to steroid talk. Uh, this is another good question. What can people expect when they get into using steroids? So let's talk about step-by-step, step, um, whether it be your first cycle starting out, then your second cycle, five years down the line, 10 years, 20 years down the line. Because Rick and I have been doing this for a combined, what, 45, 50 years. So um, let, me, let me just start myself. I think the first time you want to run steroids, it's really easy to get caught up with these uh, very, very misleading transformations that you see online of, of guys. And, um, you know, everyone, when they first start out, they have this attitude, I want to gain as much size as I can, I want to gain as much strength as I can in this 12 weeks. But you don't realize it's not about what you gain in that 12 weeks, what you gain in 12 months, what you gain in 12 years. And that's, it's a long game. So going into a cycle and saying, I'm going to gain 30 pounds. Is that realistic? Yeah, I can, I can, you can come to me and I'll coach you if you want to gain 30 pounds, but it's not going to be 30 pounds of muscle tissue. It's going to be 30 pounds of water and, and fat. So I can get you 30 pounds, but it's not going to be quality. So how unrealistic is it to expect to gain 30 pounds of muscle off your first cycle? Um, if that was possible after 10 cycles, you'd gain 300 pounds of muscle. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. And our bodies don't work like that. So if you look at the long game and I've gone full, full circle on this, could you believe if I told you after all these years, I weighed the exact same as I did at, since my first cycle, I weighed the exact same weight. So, I mean, it's all about quality, but if you look at my body, I look so much better than my first cycle. What the hell happened there? It's a combination of things. I mean, you just build mature, quality, lean muscle tissue over the course of years, and you look so much better because of it versus someone who's raw, young, raw, 20 years old, 25 years old, they decide to use steroids. So the long game, is important here guys you're not gonna peak after 12 weeks of steroids i would hope you don't peak after 12 weeks of steroids you should be able to do this a very very long time from when you start using steroids so have the long game guys have an expectation that you're going to gain one to two pounds of muscle tissue per year running two cycles a year 
that should be your expectations. Keep your body fat down. You know, don't blow it up. Don't have this goal to gain a ton of weight. That, I mean, that's my opinion. But like I said, if you want to hop on the juice, gain 20, 30 pounds, that's fine. I can do that for you. But like I said, it's not going to be quality. You're not going to feel very good. And your heart's not going to be very happy if you, if you do that. You're not going to look good either. You're just going to look like a big bloated fish. So I don't see the point of doing that. But, you know, whatever floats people's boats, just have a long game when you're first starting out. Um, because this is this is a long game, guys. This really is. Have a five-year plan and then try to get better the next five years and the next five years and the next five years. What do you think about this topic, Rick? If you did it the right way and you train naturally for a good five, minimum five, eight years, natural training, before you hit the sauce, uh, yeah, you can keep a permanent 10, maybe 15 pounds, maybe 20 depending how big you are, off of your first cycle, second, you know, the first three cycles, you'll, you'll keep some permanent poundage off of it, even if you never do the sauce again. But once, you, once you've enhanced and you've, and you've gotten your, your 20, 25, 30, depending, again, how big you are, uh, pounds that you're going to get out of the steroids, anything above that, uh, you're taking more steroids, and to keep permanently is it's even a lot harder. You know, once just those first three cycles are, are gone, you're really – you're really having to cycle often, often to keep any more muscle than that on there. And even if you do cycle a couple of times per year and, and put on some decent size and, and hold it on to a bunch of muscle, if you catch a cold, if you get sick, get injured, man, it melts away pretty fast. You still, you know, you still look like you work out. You still look, you know, like someone who's fit. But that extra, that, that kind of big, kind of bloated extra steroid muscle, it just goes away so fast when you have any sort of, of health uh, a situation that, you know, maybe doesn't even a stomach virus where you can't, you know, feed properly for a few days. Anything like that, bro, can really, your physique just kills automatically. Also stress, if you uh, are stressed out, some of that extra, extra muscle, uh, it it's melts away. So it becomes a thing where you're really spending a good bit of money uh, or to look a certain way and you have to keep spending it uh, year after year to maintain it because you're, it goes away. It goes away really fast uh, once, you're, once you've stopped hitting your muscles with, with high levels of androgens. So, you know, your first three cycles, if, if you train long enough, if you push your muscles to their genetic limit if you tried all the tricks switched up training programs different diet protocols and really reached your your genetic peak once you your first three cycles you keep some permanent mass that you'll always keep on my opinion and i think a lot of guys experience this but it gets harder after that don't you agree steve yeah, because it's homeostasis. You don't gain forever. That's what I was that's what I was saying. People gain there are people who gain 30 pounds on their first cycle because they didn't really have much of a base. They put on a lot of water weight, they put on a lot of mass fast. But I mean that's not it, real. It's these kids going in into cycles after only a couple of years of training. Yeah, I mean they, they blow up from the cycle, but they don't keep anything permanent. No. It's it's mm -hmm. it's always going to be a you know, an injecting more steroids game. You don't you don't get those permanent gains if you've only been been training for a couple of years. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't explain to you why it does. It just doesn't happen. You need to just max out muscle growth naturally before you, before you hit your first cycle to, to really gain 
permanent poundage from, from your first cycle. Yeah, because remember, most of our muscle is made up of water. So yes, if you think that gaining 20, 30 pounds is muscle gain, but that's water. I'm talking about muscle tissue. There's a difference between muscle tissue and water in the muscle. Muscle tissue is when you see a guy in your gym, he's 50 years old, and you're like, wow, this dude is fucking jacked. He's got veins popping out of his muscles. That's muscle tissue, guys. Not a 20-year-old who hopped on steroids after a month of training and put on 30 pounds of bloat, and his muscles are just full, and you don't even see any vascularity. That's muscle bloat. That's muscle water in the muscle. There's a difference. And um, you can hop on a ton of D-Bowl or a ton of Anadrol and put on all the water muscle you want and look like a bloated pig, but that's that's not why we do this guys we want to look good we want to have a six-pack year round and that's what i promote on this podcast you know and that's 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 being healthy you know that's that's how it is all right guys so the next one is an interesting one how sarms have changed the game in the past 10 years what we think for the future so i'm gonna get rick on this pretty quick but let me, let me just explain what sarms are selective androgen receptor modulators and there are a lot of people who still don't know what SARMs are who've been, uh, maybe they took a break from the game and they, it's kind of like taking a time machine into the future and you're like, what the fuck are SARMs? So SARMs, guys, um, they've, uh, there's a lot of SARMs out there. There's dozens of different SARMs that have been. So, some of them are, aren't even SARMs. You know, some of them don't even have action on the androgen receptor. Part of the name, androgen receptor, yeah. right? They're, some of yeah. them aren't even SARMs, but they're, they're still in that group, yeah. Yeah, like GW501516, SR9009, and then you have new, the Nutriball, which is not, um, which is the MK677. Those are not SARMs, but they are still classified as SARMs. But um, there's been dozens in clinical trials. There's been dozens that have been abandoned by pharmaceutical companies. There's not a single one that's FDA approved yet. There's some that are, in, you know, getting that into the stages of clinical trials where they would one day be approved. So right now they're research chemicals. Um, they should be treated as such um, because they're not officially uh, FDA approved, but there's a lot of steroids too that aren't, aren't FDA approved that were um, made on the black market and stuff. Um, so those are yeah, you know, that, 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 that is one huge difference that you get from uh, SARMs to, to the steroids that we're using, Steve. The steroids that we're using past all the clinical trials hit the market and then were then replaced by uh, newer and different drugs that did a better job of it. But they actually did make it to market and were prescribed and widely used. The songs well, like that are, if Some of them the though, are not. Like the Balco scandal, they actually came yeah. up with some brand new ones that never went through any trials. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Oh, yeah. Well, there were, yes. Yeah. Well, there were some on the, on the book, um, you know, that really old book. It name escapes me right now. There's a lot, like even the pro-hormones, okay? The pro-hormones that came around, they were in the book, in the steroid book, but they were not actually uh, approved for anything. Many of them weren't. Some went to clinical trials and failed in, in favor of others. Um, pretty much most, if not all of the SOMs now, have, are either still going to clinical trials that haven't been approved or have been abandoned because during clinical trials, uh, the companies that were developing them deemed the side effects to outweigh the benefits of them for, you know, whatever specific ailment they were 
trying to develop them for. So it's one thing to know when you're using SARMs is some of these drugs never even made it to market. They were abandoned by the drug companies because the testing didn't show uh didn't show good promises. So it's uh it's big difference, right? What do you say? Yeah, yeah, it's a big difference for sure. Um and the thing is we know a lot about SARMs because of guys who have experimented with it. And um, the big difference between SARMs and anabolic steroids, SARMs are mild. They're not going to cause the type, same type of side effects as steroids. Assuming you're using real SARMs, they're going to be way less suppressive on your HPTA. You recover a lot quicker when you come off. Steroids, anabolic steroids, for the most part, will shut you down extremely hard. Your LH and FSH, your pituitary glands will go dormant when you're on uh, steroids. They won't even function. And uh, you'll, have a, you'll have a hard crash when you come off. Uh, that's what a PCT is for. So uh, SARMs are a lot easier to use. When you run a SARM cycle, all you really need for PCT is just grab a bottle of N2 Generate. Grab a bottle of N2 Generate, N2 Generate, Extra Strength ES, and you're good to go. You don't even really need anything else for PCT. But on a steroid cycle, you need the N2 Generate ES, and you need to run your Clomid, your Novodex, all that other stuff. So Guys, some guys just prefer to take the SARMs. They're mild. They do have fat loss benefits. Anabolic steroids are prevent muscle wasting. Um, and anabolic steroids typically put on size and mass and a lot of strength compared to SARMs. SARMs, you're not going to gain a ton of strength on it. You'll gain a very mild amount. You're not going to gain a ton of weight on SARMs you'll gain a very lean amount. You're not gonna gain a lot of fat. You're not gonna gain a lot of wa any water on SARMs. And uh, a lot of anabolic steroids will put on water. So they're very different to anabolic steroids. They're very mild. They're great for endurance athletes. They're great for guys who just want lean gains with very minimal side effects and it, where it's easy to, to recover from. And again, we go back to what we said about steroids. Source is very important. Because a lot of sources out there, because these are research chemicals, they'll put out underdosed, bunk, or fake SARMs, which are really pro-hormones, or really clenbuterol or albuterol, or something else, to fool you into thinking you're taking SARMs when you're not. So um, you got to be really, really careful where you get your SARMs from. Oh, yeah. And, and even, even though I know the risks, even though I know SARMs aren't fully tested, I mean, I, I mess with them. I, Osterin and GW, mostly GW, uh, I will fucks with once in a while. I'm actually thinking about running a little bit of uh, GW uh, in the next month or so. I want to do some cutting and I really want, uh, there's some mountain bike trails uh, in Nevada. They're really nice. And uh, now the weather's letting up. It'd be nice to, to get out there and hit them all. So, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of GW nice diet and hit all these trails that I want to go see. Um, you know, look, I, I know there, there, there are long-term risks that I might not be aware of that there might be long-term risk. I might not be aware of, but you know, it is part of what I've decided to do in my life, take some risks when it comes to my body and these chemicals and I'm still going to mess with it. Look, Osterin, um, I've had a, a couple of really close people that had pretty devastating injuries to their bones and their joints and tendons. And I've, I've watched them recover uh, a lot quicker, just surprised all the doctors with how quickly they recovered 
on, on Osterin. And uh, so, I mean, I, it can't be denied. You know, the, the power of these compounds can't be denied. But again, they were abandoned. A lot of these were abandoned by the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, the test uh, just didn't, it seems like they were, you know, not no good. So just know that going in. As long as you know that going in and you know the risks, you know, you should be allowed to do whatever you want. So this kind of goes into our next topic. You mentioned bicycling. So what are our plans for this weekend? I'll let you start, Rick. Are you doing any bicycling this weekend? What's your plans? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of uh, mountain bike trails I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit up. Um, weather permitting, it seems like it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain Sunday. And uh, yeah, I mean, just mountain biking. And I like to get uh, on the weekends, I only lift Saturday. I don't, I don't lift on Sundays. And I'm going to get a little bit of lifting on Saturday. And uh, I do like it a little bit of the nightlife. I don't uh, consume alcohol, but I do like going out with girls. And sometimes uh, the girls do uh, like drinking. So um, there's a, a girl I might want to go hang out with. So I don't stay out too late. I mean, what I usually do when I want to go out, like on a Saturday night, I'll catch a really nice nap two, three, four hours before I go out. Go out, hang out, you know, three, four hours, something decent. Then come back, sleep a couple more, then go and, and hit the trails. Because Sundays is my mountain biking day. And, and I don't like missing my mountain bike Sundays, unless it rains. You know, I don't like going out when it's, when it's bad weather. But, yeah, just uh, mountain biking Saturday, Sunday morning, uh, weightlifting um, Saturday afternoon, nap, a little bit of nightlife. Uh, Sunday, hit the trails in the morning. Sunday afternoon uh, with the kid, you know, um, uh, hanging out with the, with the babies. And then uh, Sunday night, uh, just schedule out my, my day for Monday, wind down and go to bed early. That's about it, man. <laughs> what's, what's up with you? What is your uh, weekend plans? You're not spending time with your wife and, and kids? My, my kids, um, my kids uh, has a, a, a birthday party for, for family members stuff that from his side of the fa- his mom's side of the family on Saturday. So since I, I knew that already. So I scheduled my Saturday afternoon, but usually I, I get my training in in the morning, see my kids in the afternoon and then do something for myself at night. So for example, so this, because on Saturday, my, my kids got this, this birthday party It's going to be all, at all day. Um, I won't see him Saturday, but Sunday we're, we're doing something. I'm taking them to the movies. I'm taking them to, uh, to the arcade and we're going to eat his favorite foods and just regular, regular daddy son stuff that we like doing, um, on, uh, yeah, on Sunday. So that's, that's what it's like. But yeah, Saturdays, I usually see my kids in the afternoon, both days. I, I like, I like my mornings and my nights to, to, for myself. Cause I like to, you know, train and, and, and arrange my work. But in the afternoons, I, I, you know, I'm all about them. And uh, as far as wives and stuff, I don't know, no wife. I told you that. <laughs> Kids and wife. Uh, Saturday night, I'm, I'm hanging out with a girl. And, um, and that's about it. You know, let's see, uh, let's see how it goes. Yeah, guys. So this weekend, um, I'm planning a uh, nice bicycle ride. What is going to be nice? Nice bicycle ride uh, into the uh, woods. So if you guys want to um, take me out, you know, and, uh, you guys want to get rid of me. That's a good opportunity. Just, just, uh, look for me out there in the middle of the woods and just, uh, whack me out, you know, and bury me out there like in the, like in these uh, horror movies. Um, but that, yeah, that's nice. Uh, nice bicycle ride, uh, 
maybe a picnic, you know, just enjoy nature. I like to get away. I like to get away from the bullshit, you know, and uh, just nature, quietness. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it won't be anyone out there. Just get away from everyone. And then, um, you know, I like do hot yoga. Um, I do it early in the day, either on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, really, really nice, like 90 minute hot yoga class and really build my mobility, flexibility and, and uh, really, really relaxes you as well. So that's what I like to do on the weekend. I like to make some, uh, I like to cook, I like to cook some dishes on the weekend. Uh, I have some special dishes that I like to cook. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much it, guys. And uh, it's just en about enjoying, enjoying life, guys, enjoying nature, just getting away from the bullshit. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll do some fishing just to relax, you know, and that's always fun too. So there's so many different things to do guys. I love, I love the outdoors. I'm a big outdoors person and, uh, you know, that's, that's what I like doing. So no, no nightlife for me, no drinking, no, no going out to clubs, none of that stuff, not into that stuff. Um, I never really was into that stuff. I, I would do it here and there and I really never even enjoyed it. It was just, I went out with people from work and stuff was not having a good time at all. Just not my scene. So I like, I much prefer to be out you know, in, in nature and enjoy the peace and quiet. I'm not big into crowds, especially now with the coronavirus going around, you know, you don't want to be around too many people. So you don't want to pick up uh, one of those super bugs. So that, yeah, that's it guys. And, uh, this kind of, you know, I, 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 I only, um, I mean, nowadays I, I enjoy going out at night cause I, I date, uh, you know, women in their twenties and they like going out on, on the weekends. So it's nice. I mean, I like dancing too. I mean, I'm Latino, right. It's my ethnicity. So I know how to dance all of that, you know, merengue, bachata, salsa, reggaeton. I does it all. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's cool, man. I mean, I, I, I like it. I enjoy it. And you like the and, Macarena? And, you do Macarena? Remember that song? Macarena. I wasn't. I wasn't big into it, but I mean, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've heard it. Yeah, you're. Um, I think. I think having a group of really special people. If we look at uh, blue zones around the world, the, the five blue zones worldwide, they all have that in common. One of the things they have in common is they have a strong uh, group of friends, community, family that they enjoy spending time with. They enjoy being uh, laughing with, being happy with. And I think that's very important. Um, and uh, if you are antisocial and you're a loner and you like to just do stuff on your own, that's great. But I mean, just to do that exclusively is, you know, going to lead you into like more of a depression and more of an unhappy life. So um, it's very, very important to have a close knit family. I wonder if like even like having a group of dogs, like having like three dogs or three cats that you live with and just having that bond with them, that can make you a lot happier too. Cause I've, I've, you know, I've had pets and I haven't had pets and I've definitely been happier having a pet, just a pet to come and, you know, after I come home from work and run up to me and jump up on me, being happy to see me and all this stuff. And just, you know, uh, having that, I think it makes you a happier person. So, you know, I think that's important. So if you enjoy going out and, uh, with, you know, with your friends and stuff, that's, that's great. As long as they're positive people, as long as they're not negative people, because if you're going out with people who are negative and, and, uh, that's not good, 
So, um, you know, that's very important. I think, you know, having that social life is important. Yeah. A lot of people uh, enjoy their pets. I've had pets. I, I like animals, but I, um, I like, you know, traveling and I don't, uh, I don't want to throw more, uh, more on my plate than, than I need to. I just, um, you know, it'd be unfair to, to have a pet with my schedule the way it is, but it, I mean, animals are great. A lot of people get, uh, company and comfort out of their out of their pets that's incredible I'm, yeah a lot, of, a lot of airlines though they let you take your if you have a small pet they like you take him on the plane now you just put them on your you know in the little thing uh, on your feet um it costs like probably like 110 bucks extra to take your pet i don't i don't really have issues with, with loneliness i feel pretty pretty good all the time i think having a pet would be kind of fun but it's not not necessary, <laughs> not in my. I think look, a lot of people that that maybe have just went through a breakup and things like that. I know, like their pets, and and it's great. It, they, they do provide a lot of company, but I don't. You know, I'm not not personally wanting for any of that. So I don't. Right. I'm fine. You with guys eat. Pets. You guys eat cats though in South America, right? No, not not. Not, Not different. Really? Ro- 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 in- they eat, uh, eat uh, like in, in Peru and Ecuador, they eat guinea pigs. I mean, they, they eat weird shit down in South America, but not, not cats. Because in, in, in the Dominican, um, I went out in some of the rural parts of the, the country, and uh, the guy told me they eat cats in, in this town. Maybe um, maybe it's, it's some of that folklore stuff. And, okay. Know, between, <laughs> between villages, you know. I don't like people with this. They're cat eaters, you know, just it's, you know, I don't, it's really not part of the culture. Some places they eat a horse meat and even that's rare. You know, even that that's rare in South America, Latin America, eat horse meat. It's mostly just uh, beef, uh, chicken, pork, uh, some places goat and lamb, but very rare. And, and that's it. Um, there are, you know, wild bush meats you can get in, in some countries, but a lot of that stuff's dried up. I remember when I was younger, when I was like, I don't know, eight, nine, I used to like eating armadillo. And uh, once in a while, we'd go to a restaurant, I would get armadillo. Now they're an an endangered species. You can't eat armadillo anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, some countries you can still get get some meats like that, but it's it's rare, buddy. And yeah, definitely Uh, no cats. Cats even have enough meat on them to to be worth uh, skinning. You have to have a fat cat, right? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I love, I guess, I guess if they eat guinea pigs, I mean, cause they do eat guinea pigs. I mean, in, in, um, in Peru, Peru, I think huh. in parts of Ecuador, they eat guinea pigs. Yeah. Cuis, they call them there. Cui. I did not know that. That's, that's, that's really weird. So I'd actually that. tried it, bro. If, if I came across, actually, what am I talking about? I actually ate Cui. I ate guinea pig. Wow. Yes. I was, yes. I was at a bodybuilding show in a place called Pasto in Colombia. The place is called Pasto. It's a bodybuilding show. It's uh, um, a girl I was dating at the time was competing, my ex, gorgeous girl. And, uh, and in, this, in this town is, is right near the border with Ecuador. And this town is, is like one of the, this is like one of the only areas in Colombia where you can eat guinea pig. So I actually had guinea pig. And now that I remember, it was expensive as hell too. It was way more expensive than than beef or chicken or anything. I mean, it's, it's pretty pricey at this restaurant, but it was tasty as hell. It was actually nice, uh, nice and tasty. I, I liked it. 
Yeah, I imagine it'd be more expensive just because of like how how would you even like kill a guinea pig to eat it? That would be kind of. I, I probably paid the, the tourist tax too. I probably paid the tourist tax too, probably because I was it was a nice restaurant in the middle, middle of town. So uh, I'm sure on the outside on the outskirts of town, it'd probably be a lot cheaper and maybe even better prepared. Yeah, now that I remember, you know, I'm not afraid of any of any meat. I'll I'll have anything. People people out here, you guys do not want to know everything I've I've tried. But yeah, if I know there's something weird in a certain place I'm going to, I'm I'm gonna make sure to go eat it. So. All right, guys. So next one, this kind of leads into this. Um, as we get older, training intense and how to train efficiently. Should you still be training intense as you get older? So. When I was younger, I used to love, you know, sports and my favorite athletes. And I'd always get, I always wonder like, why is this athlete like retiring at 35 or at 40, maybe, you know, he could make it to 40. Cause I thought, man, why aren't they playing forever? But like, now I understand like when you get older, as you get in your thirties and your forties, your body starts breaking down. So if you're training balls to the wall as a teenager, which I used to do, and in your 20s, as I used to do, it's going to catch up to you once you get in your 30s and, and 40, you know, because your body starts breaking down. Remember, we're very fragile uh, as human beings. We don't have, uh, we have a lot of soft tissues. Our spine health is very fragile. I mean, you get in a car accident, you can herniate a bunch of this, like on the spot. Uh, even like roller coasters and stuff, you can herniate this. So, you know, weight training pounds your body, guys. It's, it's, it not only pounds your body, but it also, it decompresses your spine, your joints. It reduces mobility. It reduces flexibility. Um, so you have to put, get, have maintenance on your body. I talk about this a lot. It's just like your car. You go and you change the oil regularly. You take it to a good auto mechanic. They take, takes care of your car. Your car will last as long as possible. You don't take care of your car. You don't change your engine you're always going to get, go bad a lot quicker. Your car won't last as long. So with your body, it's very important. That's why I do, you know, yoga. Yoga does the opposite of weight training because yoga increases flexibility, increases mobility, decompresses the spine. You know, it does a lot of good stuff for your joints. It lubricates your joints. Weight training does not lubricate your joints. So you have to do maintenance, guys. That's why I recommend yoga once or twice a week. Go do a good yoga class you're probably not going to find a good yoga class at a typical franchise gym if you got a membership you're going to have to go pay extra for a decent yoga studio it's completely different it's um you know it's, it's legit you know it's a legit class you're going to get your money's worth doing it that way um and then an inversion table you can go on amazon buy an inversion table 120 150 bucks and it'll last you for life and then use that inversion table every day and it's going to decompress your spine from head to toe. It really works amazingly well. And then, you know, the other thing is, guys, you got to know when to deload. You can't just pound and pound and pound and overtrain. You know, you have to take a break. And, um, you know, I'm guilty of that because uh, we talked earlier about what we're doing this weekend. I'm pounding my body this weekend uh, even more. That's why I'm doing the yoga because the yoga is going to help all the pounding that I put my body through all week, it's going to help with that. So you have to learn what deloading is. Deloading is very simple. It's basically dropping your sets, less, less sets, less reps, and then 
the, the, the amount of weight you're doing, dropping it by 50%. You got to throw in some deload workouts, guys. You can't just go balls to the wall and try to do one rep, two rep maxes every time you work out. You're going to break your body down. And you can get away with it, like I said, as a teenager in your 20s. But as you get older, your body is just wear and tear, guys. That's why you have pro athletes making millions of dollars who go into retirement younger than what you would like because they can't take it anymore. They can't take the pounding anymore. So you have to tr learn to train efficiently and not overtrain. Because if you train efficiently, which is not going to require you to overtrain, you'll actually get better results over the long term doing it that way versus getting training balls to the wall for short-term results and then getting injured and having to take time off from the gym. So you'll know exactly, all you guys who are 20 years old, Trust me, you will know exactly what I'm talking about as you get older. And then using anabolic steroids makes the problem worse. As anabolic steroids are inflammatory in the body. A lot of anabolic steroids are really rough on your joints. They're rough on your body overall. They slow down healing in the, in the body because they are inflammatory. And, you know, that's going to make the problem even worse. So that's why you see so many people get injured while on steroids, on a steroid cycle and me included, you know, me included. So what do you think about this one, Rick? What have you noticed over the years? Uh, one of the biggest problems is guys throwing up just a lot of weight, a lot of plates on their, on their bodies day after day after day. Uh, you can definitely train with intensity uh, to exhaust the muscle, full contraction, you know, all these nice things with just good, modest weight where you're not putting, you know, too much uh, stress on your joints unnecessarily. So I think as you get older, it's really important to better technique, slower movements, squeeze the muscle more, get, and just keep the weights, keep the weights mid, mid to high range. Don't, don't go crazy on the, on the actual weight that you're doing. Um, even just if you, if you start off the set with a little bit more weight and then you drop to lower weight, uh, to, you know, get some good reps out. And even that might even, might even help. Just don't, 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 you know, don't throw around too much weight and, and watch your technique. I think technique is, is really important. If you have nice fluid technique, technique, good positioning, um, good timing on your, on your range of motion, all these nice things. You're just not going to smack that joint around, snap that joint around the way you do when, you know, you, your technique is off. When, you know, you're throwing the weight around, you're rocking back and forth, or, you know, just doing all these, all these uh, uh, things that usually come from putting maybe too much weight on the exercise. So definitely that. And, and as you get older, flexibility just becomes everything. It becomes so important. Flexibility and, and spine health just becomes so, so important. You know, when you're younger, you've, you've got to like fall down or, or have something serious happen to get injured. As you get older and, and you lose flexibility, if, if you cough or sneeze too hard, you might, you might get injured. Sleeping in the wrong posture, you, you'll be hurt the next day. And the, this all, all these things come from just losing that, that flexibility. So yes, we get older, you have to do a two, three hours of yoga a week. And that's if you've, if you have no injuries, you know, it, and that's where I'm at right now too. I have to incorporate yoga or otherwise I'll get, I'll get an injury every time I roll. 
You know, every time I go in, do a little bit of jitsu, just get a little bit of roll going, um, I'll something will happen. You know, I'll get home and back of the leg, side of the neck, you know, right tricep, the you know, the muscle that controls your pinky on the left forearm, something will just be messed up, you know, and then and then it just doesn't feel great to go in and, and concentrate on weightlifting and form when, you know, one of your arms is uh, it's killing you from jitsu. And the only thing that's helped me stay, you know, go back and train and be injury free is just yoga. Without yoga, without incorporating yoga into my training, I, you know, I'd break down pretty fast from, from doing jujitsu. So definitely yoga, it's got to be put, especially if you use steroids especially if you're on the saws, if you do a little bit of a TRT, whatever, you definitely need yoga. If you can get uh, massages like impact massages where they're hitting the muscle pretty good and, and you know, making you, uh, making you hurt a little bit, that's also, uh, that also helps quite a bit. But um, yeah, flexibility, spine health, very key now, now for, for us older guys and controlling your weight uh, on your lips. Very, very key. So let's get into prior injuries that we've had over the years so that the younger guys kind of understand what they're, they're looking at, Rick. So I'll let you finish, you know, talking about that. Can you go over some of the injuries you've gotten, whether it be from the jiu-jitsu, from the MMA, from the weight training, from bicycling, what are some injuries you've had over your history and what could you have done differently to prevent them so that the younger guys can, can learn from that? Well, um, I, I hurt um, both of my arms, elbows, uh, as a kid wrestling, uh, just doing some some pretty aggressive uh, training, uh, going live, while I was cutting weight. And when you're cutting weight and you're going live, it's, it's pretty easy to get hurt because you, your brain is not all there, and you might you might let up on a movement or on a throw and and land in the wrong way. And that's kind of what happened to me. You know, nowadays they certified kids like my son. Now he gets, he gets certified. He can't go below a certain weight. But back when I used to do it, I mean, you know, you had guys losing 30 pounds to make weight and, and it was just, it was an every, every week thing. Um, then, you know, as, as I got older, uh, definitely the steroids brought me problems with shin splints with uh, back uh, pumps I had to make some huge decisions about my future with steroids because I, I wanted to gain a ton of mass, but I also um, started, you know, training Thai boxing and I loved it, loved Thai boxing, but uh, the steroids were just making it impossible. So I had to lower my doses, drop the, the orals just so that I could keep my muscles flexible and not get pumps and I could, you know, study the, this, this new thing, which is Thai boxing, which I loved. So, the, those injuries actually, because I hurt my uh, one of the muscles on my shin pretty badly, uh, pushing it while it was really tense. Um, those you know those kind of injuries came from from steroids, and uh, just normal stuff, man. Neck, back, uh, usually from rolling in jitsu, uh, usually from maybe not warming up as much as I, I really should, from maybe walking into class a little bit late and not doing the whole full warm up and the whole full stretch out and, and then going into a movement or going into a drill and, and just kind of moving in the wrong way. It's, it's been um, mostly, mostly wrestling. Um, and then as far as lifting, had a couple lifting injuries, not, 
nothing major. Uh, I've hurt things on my shoulder a little bit, uh, my back, but nothing major. I really don't get hurt lifting. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a controlled movement. It's such a, it's, you have such control over it, over that, over that weight that you really should not be getting injured. It's different. It's different than wrestling or, or grabbing your hands around another person that's unpredictable and is trying to fight you. There's a good chance you're going to get injured in a situation like that. But uh, weights, um, not really. You, you know, just control the weight, good movement. Don't put any more weight on the bar than you really should to, to really complete your, your technique in good form. And also, don't, don't use too much steroids. That's probably been one of the other things. I mean, I've tried everything under the sun, but I've never OD'd on this stuff to where I'm like, to where I think I can lift and I feel like I can lift a lot more than my joints can bear. And then I get hurt because a lot of guys get hurt that way. You know, you just start putting weight on that weight on that bar uh, on these big movements. And then one day something goes, you know, something snaps and, and you're, you're done. So um, I think that's also helped. It's just, it's just always having a really conservative approach to steroid use. Um, I think that's been one thing. And I've always, I've never given a, a crap what people are lifting or if anybody's looking at my lifts, I just don't even think about it. I just go in there, use the weight that I need. And if somebody else is using more weight or less, I don't, just don't care. Just really, I don't care about any of that stuff. Cause that guy's not going to be there uh, to help me, you know, wipe my ass if I pull my bicep muscle again, or, you know, if I hurt my shoulder again, um, you know, I'm not, dude's not going to be there to help me put my jacket on. So don't care who sees me, the hot girls walking by just do your weights good form good movement and uh that's it i'm gonna go over my injuries when i was an endurance athlete um well first of all like going back when i was younger playing football a lot of injuries from football guys i <laughs> i would never recommend if i had a kid and i'm sure you're the same way rick they ever play football a Brutal lot of sport it's a brutal, brutal sport. Yeah. It's like being in a car crash every every down. I mean, it's it's brutal, brutal sport. And uh, gosh, guys, I had injuries. I injured my uh, my arm just like you, Rick, um, years ago playing football, and it's never been the same. Um, so I was very lucky though that I didn't get any other injuries from from playing football because uh, I pretty much rode the bench. That that's pretty much why. But, um, yeah, some of the other injuries, guys, shin splints. I used to run a lot. Um, I used to play soccer. So I train in the off-season, do a lot of running. Um, tr running on in, with improper shoes, running on hard surfaces. That's a surefire fire way of developing shin splints, guys. And you can, you know, push through them as much as you want. Um, your, your buddies are going to tell you, just push through it, just push through it. But let me tell you something. It did not work to push through. It just made them worse and worse. So I had to just stop running for them to heal. And that really ruined my, um, my soccer, uh, soccer career was those, those fucking shin splints. Um, another injury I, I got, um, you know, when I was a runner too, I got a little plantar fasciitis and that's another injury. Again, you can't run through it. You really have to take a break from it. So the, the way if I could go back um, to avoid those injuries, proper fitting shoes, guys. I really like the Nike Freeze. Those are really, really good. 
for me, but you may like the Adidas or some of the other uh, shoe brands. You have to find the right shoe for you, the proper fitting shoe. You have to run on soft surfaces, grass, or run barefoot if you can on grass. Um, and one of the things that I do now is I'll find like a soccer field in town and I'll go run on the soccer field barefoot. And that's a really good surface. It's, it's a good, it's a safe surface. Um, they maintain it. Obviously there's not going to be like, you know, broken glass, you know, on the soccer field and stuff. So that's a really, really good option uh, to run barefoot. But if you, if you get $15 cheap shoes from Walmart and you run on them, I guarantee you, you're going to have injuries, uh, a lot of injuries, um, weight training injuries, guys. I've been weight training since I was 15. Obviously the spine, I have several herniated discs. I know I have three herniated discs in my neck. Um, along my back, I'm sure if I got an MRI, and I'm sure all you guys listening who have been weight training for years got an MRI, you'll have herniated discs along your spine. So again, the hot yoga, I should have done the hot yoga. I should have done the inversion table from day one, but the, you know, no one told me about any of those things back then. Uh, but if I had done it back then, also lifting heavy from a young age, um, <clears throat> I would never if I could go back, I would never lift heavy, especially a lot of these movements over the head presses and over the head jerking motions. Those really, really um, destroy your spine because they're so compressive on your spine. So if I could go back, I would not do um, do those, those lifts. Um, and, you know, and like, like Rick said, using steroids throughout my thirties really exasperated all these injuries um, and made them worse. So, you know, I've learned that you have to not abuse steroids. You have to be smart. Another injury I got while on trend tore my rotator cuff. I know for sure my right, right rotator cuff tore about five, six years ago. Um, and my left rotator cuff is probably torn too. I don't know. I never got an MRI on my left, but I would say half the lifters in the gym have torn rotator cuffs. It, to what degree, I don't know. Uh, there's different degrees. It could be a rotator cuff that requires surgery. It could be a rotator cuff that does not. It could be a light rotator cuff. But rotator cuff injuries, guys, once you get it, it's not going away. I mean, it's going to be with you for a while. And those things, if you keep pounding away, they'll tear more and more and more, and you'll end up needing surgery. So if I could go back, I would just not lift as heavy as fast. And again, steroids maybe lift heavy very, very quickly, especially the trend. I mean, I was, I was increasing my bench so rapidly on trend that it led to an injury. So those are all my injuries, guys. And, you know, they're all overuse, overtraining type of injuries. So, again, the tortoise versus the hare. The tortoise ends up winning in the long term because the tortoise, you know, takes his time, doesn't rush it. You know, and that's what I would rather have done, not rush things so much. And I'd be a lot healthier today, but, you know. You know, you know, a couple I forgot, I broke my nose sparring. Again, I was in a caloric deficit and uh, I wasn't getting ready for a fight. I was just vanity, uh, uh, trying to lose some, some extra pounds I put on. Caloric deficit sparring and uh, walked into a right hand and it, it managed to break my nose a little bit. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't bad. I didn't even know it was broken, but uh, I started to get some swelling in, in one of my nostrils, couldn't breathe, and turned out I had a, 
you know, blood bag in, inside of one of my nostrils and it needed surgery. Also, uh, my, my feet, foot twisting injuries, uh, a few of them actually throughout the years. I'm lucky enough, my, my father's a lifelong soccer player and he knows how to like readjust all the tendons and all the bones in your foot by hand when, they, when they're displaced from, you know, for whatever reason. So, um, so I've had, uh, I've had the most serious one I had was on my right foot. I came down on it and it, it was facing in. It was really, really bad. My foot was swollen and everything. And I had to have it, you know, I had two choices to go with it. The conventional way, right, is uh, you do, you know, therapy on that foot for, <laughs> for months until everything just kind of goes back into place. Swelling comes down. And once the swelling comes down, you start that real therapy. And then over time, it gets better. Or two, you could do it, you know, the soccer player Latino way where you go to someone that knows how to do it. They twist your foot around by force. They just place everything, put all those uh, little bones back into their, into their place. They wrap your foot up. And then about a week, two weeks later, you're, you're walking around again like nothing. So um, definitely had a, a foot and ankle injuries, uh, quite a few of them throughout the years. And they've always just... Um, Always had somebody just massage them in, put everything back into place, wrap it up, and and good to go. Yeah, another one sprained ankle. I forgot about that. That was another ankle injury. Yeah, and sometimes those tendons are not in the right place. Sometimes the bones don't, aren't even in in the proper place. And conventionally, the way to do it is wait till the, well, the swelling comes down after the injury, and then do that therapy, man. Do that grind out, that daily grind, that therapy to get everything kind of there again or you can you know old school uh latino style you go to the to a, a masajista you know the massage uh guy and he crack, 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 puts everything back into place but i'll tell you uh sprained ankles rick take a long time to heal a long time i learned that the hard way and if you keep pounding on it which i did it takes even longer so Sprained ankles, you may be better off just, just going on crutches for a couple of weeks and just letting that fucking thing heal without um, pounding it anymore. So that's, Usually that's when, you get, when, you, when you get a, a really bad sprained ankle, something is out of place. And, and wherever the things down there in that foot have shifted, where they shift out of place, a little bit of like little fat pockets moving into the places. It, it's really... I know all about this from just uh, the years with, with my dad being a soccer player and all these just crazy ankle injuries that are out there. And yeah, uh, you're going to, I mean, they take a long time to heal. And if you don't put everything back into place before it heals, then you have recovery afterwards because it won't, it won't ever be right again. Yeah, man, for sure. It's re really, really sucks. And th these types of little, I mean, sprained ankle, you think it's like a joke. It's not a big deal, but man, it sucks. Like if you're, you're doing so good and then you boom, you get a sprained ankle, whether you're play playing soccer, you're a runner or whatever, that's, it just sucks. So yeah. All right, guys. So, you know, we're, we're going to get into another, we're going to go back to a steroid topic. This is one sent to Rick. So I'm gonna let Rick answer this one first. It says what learning tools does every steroid user need? So that's a really good one. Yeah, we, we've, um, I think we've talked about this in a podcast before. Bill Llewellyn's book, Bill Llewellyn's book. Um, he does a, a new edition every so often. So he's up to date, great information. You should have that. Um, you should have this podcast download directly to your cell phone. 
this show is long because we're doing show 300, but shows are usually about 30 minutes. Sometimes they go into an hour when we do relationship topics, which once we go into relationship topics, if you have no interest, you can just tune out at that point. But uh, you'll get two episodes a week of this. Um, also, uh, our YouTube channels, uh, N2BM.TV, and, to, uh, and, to um, and your membership to the forums, evolutionary.org, elitefitness.com. And that's about all you need. You know, the, the podcast will keep you uh, fresh up to date. Anything you listen to on the podcast that you want to have a solid reference to go back and, and investigate, go to Bill Llewellyn's book. And uh, if you have some more specific questions after listening to the podcast, after um, going to, uh, to the book, then go on the forums and ask. And really just being able to have a, a desk reference guide there that you can go to that's got all the relevant information you need, having the podcast to bring you up to speed and put everything into context and then being able to ask questions on the forums and get specific help with the specific things you maybe aren't understanding or specific decisions you need to make, uh, anonymous forums. I think that's all you need, man. Um, you have any other ideas, Steve? I would, you know, it's not that I have ideas, you laid them down, but I have non-ideas. Like one of the non-ideas is don't listen to your friends when it comes to steroids. I see that mistake a lot. Friends, they mean well, guys, but they don't really know what they're talking about 99% of the time because, you know, they may have used steroids like two, three times and still have no clue what they're doing. So be very careful when you listen to friends be very careful about listening to bro science at the gym because guys at the gym, it's really weird. You know, it's, it's one of those weird things where people at the gym, they say so much stupid shit. I'm not really sure why. Um, it's almost like when you walk into a gym, your IQ drops like 50 points. It's maybe that locker room culture of behaving like a, a moron. So I, I don't know what it is. But, you know, I, we see so much bullshit out there. And um, be very careful who you listen to, guys. Social media, we see people posting stuff, very, very misleading stuff on Instagram to try to get clicks, to try to make themselves look so special. Uh, people will post on, on Instagram uh, pictures of themselves or their whatever, people that work for them or something that are all jacked and stuff. And they'll be like, oh, I got jacked you know, this way, uh, off my $500 uh, coaching program. Come on, dude. You know, you got Jack because you got genetics and you got, uh, you're, you're on tons of fucking gear and HGH and all this other stuff. So just be, be careful in this industry. This is another thing we've talked about. Very, very, um, it's a very misleading industry. It's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of targeting the naive 20 something crowd because they're, always looking for that magic pill. So, and at the end of the day, nothing, nothing is a magic pill, not even steroids. Steroids aren't even close to a magic pill. It's all about genetics, diet, training. It's all about, the, uh, it's all that stuff. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It's all about your history, how many years you put into this. It makes a huge difference. So um, just, just, it's not necessarily the tools. It's, it's not the tools to, to avoid. It's kind of a thing. And even on these forums, a lot of these guys on these forums, I've no clue what they're talking about. They've been on these forums for years and they never learn anything. It's very bizarre. 
but some people are just aren't don't have a good fit, fitness IQ, so they can't catch on this stuff very very quickly. So be very careful. Let's do at the end of the day, guys. You can hit me up on the forums. You hit me up on the forums. I will help you. We'll have a consultation. I'll coach you, whatever, and to get you going in the right direction. Anything else out to Rick before we move on? Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, get help. If you uh, ask questions for more than one person, make sure to reference all the information. You want to learn this stuff. You don't, you probably shouldn't, if you're big into fitness and you're going to take the step into using steroids, you shouldn't leave it all in someone else's hands. Do what someone else tells you to do. You can get help, pay for the help even. Just uh, reference and, and read and research everything yourself, some too. And uh, have clear goals. You know, have really, really clear goals of what you're trying to do. If you just want to look good with your shirt off, perform great, you know, have good sex and, and good performance, and maybe you just like to play a little sport here and there uh, for fun and you want to be good. I mean, you don't need a lot. You don't need more than maybe a couple of steroids in your life and you're fine. But if you, um, if you go down, you know, the, the YouTube um, route and start watching all these videos, you're going to get all these, all these so-called gurus. They're really going to be talking to you about using four or five different steroids and this and that with SARMs. Like, like this shit is really normal. Like really for someone to just look good, um, naked right and uh just just maintain a decent look that you really need all this stuff and you really don't you don't i mean look if you want to just look look like you can step on stage but not really go do it and you want to take a bunch of compounds to just walk around looking that way i guess those are your goals i mean that's fine if, if you have a clear goal that that's what you're doing but if you want to just look great uh you don't need you don't need a lot you don't need a lot of steroids. You don't need a lot of this other stuff. All these um, complex uh, cycles and, and these peptides and all these extra stuff and, you know, four or five different compounds in one cycle, that comes in maybe when you're trying to get like, you know, below 6% body fat and you're really drying up and you're doing some, you know, you're doing something for a show or something significant like that and you're working with a coach a coach that's helping you tweak things, a coach that you can go to at a moment's notice and say, hey, I'm having the side effect. What's going on? Hey, I'm not growing. I'm growing, you know, I'm getting, getting some water. What's going on? And then, you know, that it makes sense maybe for you to handle all these compounds. But if you're a regular guy sitting at home, just trying to look, look good for, for your old lady or, or you're single, you're trying to just look good for the ladies, you're not into anything competing, you're not, you, you, you probably don't need a cycle build with four different steroids, you know, oral kickstart and three and four different compounds. You probably don't. You just need maybe more consistency and, and, you know, one or two compounds and really squeeze everything you can out of them. So um, that's just something to consider. Like those are the guys that I want to talk to, you know, I think there's already plenty of, of YouTube and podcast gurus that are sitting there going, Oh, trombone is great. And, but you know, you need to do at least a hundred megs. And for four weeks, you know, there's a ton of guys like that out there already um, telling you to stack this, this with that on top of this and that. It's not a ton of them out there. I, I, I want to talk to the guys that want to hear, like, you can actually really, like, 
some little bit of TRT, a little bit of over the stuff. We want a little stuff here and there and mild doses, watching your health, watching your bloods and, and taking things, you know, taking a very conservative route. That's kind of what I, I like us to, to really develop the podcast into it. And, and yeah, we've got the knowledge and we've experimented with almost everything under the sun, almost everything that's out there now. At some point we have, but just decided on that really for, for, most people's goals out there, you only need a, a little bit of stuff and, and it'll do you. You don't need a huge dosages. You don't need four or five different compounds in your cycle, six different compounds. I've even seen guys out there doing, you don't, you don't quite need all of that to just maintain a, a, a decent, uh, a decent look. Right, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, you really don't. And uh, I don't, a lot of that is a shock value. They just want to, you know, just, put out this huge cycle and do all this just to get clicks. And it's, um, that's how it is when it comes to social media, it's all about getting clicks and all about getting as many viewers as possible because they get paid. I mean, they monetize their channel. So they get paid every thousand clicks, every thousand, um, looks on their videos, like a, a dollar. So they want to get as many, lookers as possible they make a living at it some of these youtubers they have these really crappy cookie cutter fitness sites and they make a living they make like 30 40 grand a year just doing youtube videos just because they've been around so long and they have so many followers and their videos are just like all copy paste cookie cutter crap it's just not useful at all you're not going to get um good information from them so that's, that's just how it goes, guys. But it's like that in anything, in any, any industry. So you just got to know the difference. And, and like I said, if you, you ever need help, just hit me up on the forum, Steve SMI, and I'll be glad to help you. So we have a couple more relationship topics to end this show, Rick. The first one, um, let's talk about mistakes we made in our past with, with women so that guys don't make the same mistakes. So I'm going to start this off. With, yeah, you, 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 yeah, you start. You start. <laughs> you get started. You tell me. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I've used to make with women is not listening. Because a lot of times a woman will come home after a bad day at work or, or whatnot. Or they got in a fight with their mom. Or they had a bad day in class. And they'll just want to talk. They just want someone to talk to. Because women do that. Women, they're the, they're the gatherers. You know, they want to they wanna socialize. They just want someone to talk to. And you're supposed to be their best friend. So if they come to you, as much as you don't want to hear their bad day or their shit, and you just blow them off and say, you know what? I don't want to hear your crap. I don't want to hear your negativity. Leave me alone. Don't do that. You know, just listen. You don't have to fix it. They have a, if their boss is giving them shit at work, just listen, listen. To, they don't want you to fix it. They don't want the situation to be fixed. They don't want you to solve their problem. They just want someone to talk to. And you should find that as an honor that she's willing to come to you as her outlet to kind of vent, you know? So just, um, just listen. And I think that's, that's, that's really, I've ruined relationships because I didn't know how to listen. 
So that's something that I've learned over the years was men, we don't want to listen. We want to fix. She comes to us with a problem. Her boss yelled at her or something. We want to fix it. We want to go to her work and fucking kick the shit out of her boss. That's, that's the way we think, but that's not necessary. She just wants you to listen to her bad day. So I think that's lesson number one that I've done wrong in the past with women that, that you guys should, uh, should listen to. Rick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in, bro. What's the mistake? Besides getting married, what's a mistake you've done? <laughs> All right, that's a big one, getting married. That's definitely a, a, a huge mistake I made. Um, so why did you get I, married anyway? Why don't you tell us that story? Why did you get married if it was a bad idea? Um, because, of, you know, because of the way I was raised, I, I always wanted to um, – when, when my uh, girlfriend – became pregnant with uh, my oldest son. I didn't want him to be born out of wedlock. So I, this is, this is were really close to my values back then when I was a 22 year old. And I asked her to marry me because uh, we're going to have a son together. He wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't in, in the plans, but it happened. And uh, I felt like I had to give him a, a chance to, you your, know, your to pull, make a life with her. Your pullout game wasn't, wasn't on par. My pull-out game wasn't on game. Um, actually, actually, she used to give me my shots, and, and I was on steroids for a good portion of our, of our relationship. And then um, and that worked, as, uh, that worked as, you know, birth control for a long time for us. And then um, I had a lapse in steroid use and forgot, and it's kind of how it happened. But, you know, I've, used, I've effectively used steroids as birth control when I take them for, for, for different uh, times in my life and it, and it works it's one of the pluses it you know that that i found because it really shuts down my my sperm production really effectively just even just even you know 250 megs of test a week 500 megs of test a week i'm done you know shooting blanks so uh but then you know i had a slip up you know we did cycle ended i you know different things and and yes yeah, so i still want my kid being born out of wedlock so that was but I guess, look, I, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, getting married, you know, not a good idea. But look, I'd do it again. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it any other way. I won't get married again. But for me at 22, 23 at that time, for, for that situation, for everything that was going on in my life at the time, yeah, it was absolutely the right, the right decision I made. Is so you're it, saying would, you're it be, would, it, would it be the right decision again now? No. No. Right, but some someone else is listening at twenty two, twenty three in the same situation. Would you tell them just go ahead and get married, or would you tell them what would you tell them then? Um, I mean, it's it's, it's calling someone a bastard is still a thing. Like, if your parents aren't married, is, is that even is that even a, a social thing anymore? To me, kind of was when I was that age. It was like, hey, I don't I don't want my kid being born out of wedlock. Again, I was born and out of the country and grew up definitely hearing different things around the household, but it was just how, how it was. It was, it was something at the time that seemed right. Then later on, you know, I realized like, Hey, there's a whole legal thing, <laughs> you know, that, that goes along with it. So now at my age, now going into 40, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get married again, at least definitely not, not in the plans. It so what would have been, what would have been the plan? If you wouldn't have got married, what would have been the plan? Just pay child support for 18 years and try to. No, 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 no. You could no, you could you could, you could, you could be there and you could live together and do something symbolic, uh, 
symbolic that means you're you're a couple and and a union and, and respect her and, and honor her and oh i see what you're saying okay so you would have still been with her and raised the kid but you wouldn't have just got married n- look if i had to do it over again i would have gotten married i would have done it everything just because the way of my situation was but I was giving advice to someone else coming up. Maybe their situation would be different than mine's at the time. Um, you can make a, a you can make a, a pact with her. You can do something symbolic. You can even get married symbolically without without filing any paperwork. You can have the whole reunion. You can have everything if you want. Just oh, um, that's a good idea. yeah, yeah. You could have the whole thing. Just it, not sign uh, it. What do you, what, what are, are the guests, is, is your family going to ask you for your fucking marriage certificate? No. Uh, but I mean, you it could, was illegal. But I mean. You, you could just do the whole thing. Her, but she wouldn't change her last name or there's no other legal issues from doing it that way. Like you know, my, of, you, you know, my ex-wife kept my last name. She, okay. That she kept it. Yeah. yeah, she kept the last name. I, I, I asked her why once. I'm like, well, why, why the fuck do you keep my, my last name for? It's not like it's Turner or something, right? So she said, um, she said, oh, because I, when I go somewhere with my kids or we do something, I don't, I don't want to have a different last name than them. You know, so she doesn't want to have a different uh, last name than, than our kids. So she never changed it back to her maiden name after we divorced. It's pretty interesting. Okay. I think, um, I, so, so that was one of the. I, I guess getting married is 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 a big, it's a big mistake. I think legally married, you can you can do the whole symbolic thing. You can have a white dress, big wedding, you know everything. It's still meaningful. Just don't file that shit. So, so and, when uh, you're when you get married at the end of the the at the end of it, you sign something, right? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Sign a paper through. No, but there's the legal side of the marriage and then the ceremony. Um, and you could, you know, you could do the whole ceremony and have, you know, have someone you, you know, so you someone you respect. just tell the person who's marrying you, we're not signing anything? Yeah, you, bro, you could, you could, I'm pretty sure you could do that, bro. I mean, I'm not, I haven't done it, right? I haven't done anything like that, but I'm pretty sure there's, there's, there's a ton of, uh, of ways to, to symbolically get married and if you, if you look around. There, there really is. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, so I'm, another, yeah. I'm positive there's got to be. It's probably a whole a whole multi million dollar niche industry symbolic weddings should, should that we don't up, even know about. You should open up your own company that does this, like symbolic weddings only, and you man, know, that's a great business opportunity, man. <laughs> that's funny. I, I don't know, man. I mean, symbolic weddings, probably symbolic uh, drive-through, uh, symbolic wedding, like it, uh, like in Vegas. <laughs> And you could have them all over the country, the drive through symbolic wedding. You can have it all over the country because it's symbolic. It's not filed with the state. <laughs> Just mean, take the pictures. Say the balance. Yeah. Don't sign anything. <laughs> or, you, or, you, or, you could, or you could sign a contract between the two of you to, to respect and honor each other and sing this and the health till to, to death of your parts. So you sign my paperwork. I sign yours. We're good. <laughs> This is good. This is good shit, bro. Give me some ideas. Here. <laughs> so that that's one thing, and I, I think the other the other mistake, um, which I just think, I think a lot of people are just lonely, and sometimes you tend to maybe settle for a relationship because you're lonely. And when you settle for a relationship because you're just lonely, you maybe end up end up uh, settling with somebody that's not 
that maybe doesn't share the, the most important of your values and you kind of, I wouldn't say you rushed in, but you, maybe you did rush in a little bit. And so that's when you start to get annoyed with the person. That's when she comes home from work and you don't really want to fucking listen to her um, because you're kind of maybe, maybe out of loneliness, you ended up uh, rushing it and living with somebody that doesn't, that maybe you don't, don't share all of your, all of your values. Cause trust me, when you're in a relationship with somebody that you like respect and admire, you can't wait till the next time you get to talk to them. You can't wait to share a conversation with them or, or talk to them, to them about their day or tell them about yours because you, you like the feedback you get. You like talking to that person. You like what they have to say. You like their outlook on life, their opinion. And, and it, becomes, it becomes great. It becomes something real sweet. It's like, it's like being in a relationship with somebody you're a fan of too and – and that, that really only kind of happens, comes around, like, if you're really, like, not lonely, you can just hang out, hold out, hold out, hold out. Only go out on, on and pursue women that you're absolutely crazy about. If you're not crazy about her, even if she's pursuing you, just, just, just brush that to the side. Keep working on yourself. And then you get maybe those, those chances to, to, to try to make something work with, with, with somebody that you admire and, and that you uh, – that you like what they do, you like what they're about, you like what they have to say. But, but you know, to, to really find someone you connect with like that, unless you're real lucky and it happens for you early on, you might need to learn to be alone and be by yourself and, and not suffer from loneliness for years, for years. It could take many years. And then, and then even some failed attempts to, you know, to, to have a relationship with someone you thought could you know it's wonderful but they ended up not being so wonderful so i think that's also a big mistake guys made just don't get lonely you know don't don't um don't get lonely don't rush into into any sort of commitment with anyone unless you're absolutely crazy about them if you're kind of ass also but you know but she she's always available this one is always available she texts back let's you know she wants something serious or she's not going to give me the poontang anymore what i do just don't. If you're not crazy about her, don't make the commitment. Don't make the pact. Just don't do it because it, it'll, it'll progress early on until next thing you know, you're living with someone that you kind of don't really like that much and that you maybe don't fully 100% respect and, and you don't admire. And I think everybody should, should strive to share their life with somebody that they like, admire, and that they can in ways be a fan of like you want to you want to be pleasantly surprised by, the, by their next thing they're working on, their next achievement on how well things are going for them. I think that's, that's, that. All right. Yeah. You there, Rick? Yeah, I'm right here, man. Just, just uh, stop talking, man. It's a long yeah, podcast today. There's a little, there's a little <laughs> lag there. Um, so I, I'll give you a couple more before we move into our last topic. Um, be a man of your word. Don't break promises. Um, and that works both ways. Women listening to this as well, like don't say you're going to do something and then don't do it. Don't flake out on people because that loses trust. Like if I tell a woman I'm going to do something, I'm a man on my word. If I say that, you know, we're going out Saturday night, seven o'clock, I'm there. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, unless I get into a car accident or something major happens, I'm not going to just flake out on you. So don't make promises you can't keep. If you say, yeah, I'm going to take you on vacation next spring. We're going to, we're going to go, 
you know, to Mexico on vacation and then spring comes along and you don't do it. Women remember everything. So don't do that. And what goes with that is don't say the wrong thing to women. Cause again, women remember everything. Uh, women here, they're, they're the, they're the gatherers. They hear everything. That's why lesbian couples have such a high divorce rate because in an argument, they'll say something that is really, really nasty, really, really mean to the other person. And they will never let them forget that. They will always hold it over their head forever. So women are the same way. Like a woman can chew you out, say all kinds of mean things to you. It's not going to bother you, especially you'll, you'll probably forget it the next day. But when you in an argument, you say something wrong to the woman, she's going to remember that she's going to hold it against you if you, if you say something. So don't say the wrong things. And you know, I would say also don't go to bed angry at each other. If you get in a fight, never go to bed angry because the next day it's going to be kind of awkward and you're going to set a precedent. So whatever happens, look, it's better just to walk away in most situations and not make the situation worse. So it's better to just let her cool down for a little bit and then kind of talk to her, smooth things over, be like, look, I, I'm sorry. I, I went over the edge, whatever, you know, and just man up and just don't go to bed angry and just say, look, I love you. I know you're pissed off at me. I know I'm an asshole sometimes. I'm, I, I don't know. I just, um, you know, I fucked up. I'm, I'm sorry. Even if it wasn't even your fault, just, just man up. If it was both your faults, whatever, just man up. She'll apologize, kiss each other and then go to sleep, but don't go to sleep angry at each other. I, that really doesn't, set a good precedent. That's, that's kind of a rule that I have, you know, myself in relationships. All right. So, uh, unless you have anything else to add, Rick, let's hit the final topic. What do you say? Good. Um, yeah, I mean, mistakes, mistakes with women. There's just so many to mention that I went to, to some really core, core, uh, uh, things there. Just first one is just don't, don't, don't be lonely. Uh, only pursue people that you, uh, are absolutely crazy about that are wonderful and uh, that'll just make you want to even perform better don't don't settle don't just uh don't just settle on someone because they're maybe uh, more available or an easier catch than, than someone that's that you look up to and that you really want to pursue and um uh work on yourself most of all don't worry too much about working on the person and saying this or saying that just work about you doing this and doing that and letting it show that you're achieving things that you're working hard that you're about your mission in life so also yeah work on yourself don't don't always think that uh don't always think that that getting getting into that relationship with that girl is all about how you talk to her or the things you say to her what you do for her or, or how you do for her a lot of most of the time really you're gonna find that it's about how you treat yourself and how you treat your life and, and how you treat your thoughts and your emotions, it's really going to make you attractive to her. That's really going to make you stand out from the crowd more than anything you can say to her, more than any words or, or, or displays of affection that you can put together for her is you working in yourself and being, being that fucking guy that she can be proud of, that she can be a fan of, that she can admire as well. And that she's always, uh, always surprised. Like you got to have some fucking superpower over her. Like, you know, you really have to work on yourself and be that guy. And, 
and you know when you know be about you know your body and about health and and stay away from substances and and really just be that guy you know have it have it so that you're you're just that amazing where she doesn't know what to do she doesn't think she could find anyone like you because there won't be anyone like you because you really wake up every single day to be that guy and uh so I guess that's also yeah another mistake men make when they're trying to court a female is to think it's all about what what you're going to achieve talking to her and saying to her or being with her. No, you gotta we gotta work on yourself. Big time. Big time work on yourself. That that's most of the that's where most of the work needs to go into is is wanting you to be that guy. Not not trying to uh uh you know try to find a way to to you know to make a pact with her or, or find a way to you know, negotiate a relationship with her. That's, that should be the least of your focus. If you focus on yourself first and building yourself up first from top to bottom, then that, that negotiation, that, that pact making, that going out there and getting her from the, from the wild and taming her, you know, just having her be your girl, all of that is a lot easier. It just, it happens so, so much easier. She wants to be part of your life. She'll want to, you know, know about everything that, you, that you're doing every day. If you're just that, that guy, it makes everything else easier. All right, guys. Our last topic says modern relationships and how social media and even porn has affected relationships. So this is really an amazing topic. Um, I'm going to bring you in on this first, right? Because this is the question that was sent in to you. Um, tell us a little bit about this topic. What, how, what are your feelings on it? Oh, there's a lot of things. Uh, um, it's a loaded question, but like, okay, social media. Um, a lot of guys get catfished. Um, girls look incredible on social media, but then when you see them in person, they're not so. Uh, they're not so great. A lot of guys are uh, fall in love with the with the girl's uh, social persona, and they'll meet her in person. She maybe looks nothing like their social, but he'll still like her pictures, and it's a it's a weird dynamic now because you have something else to be attracted to these pictures that she might post is, you know, that might be even more attractive than the person you have in front of you. So that, that's all, that all gets all weird with, with the way people look different on online than they do in person. It causes fights. It causes jealousy. It causes people to spend hours, um, you know, stalking other people's social looking for clues. It's, you know, it, it, really has changed the whole scheme of things besides the fact that you can just see someone see parts of their life and immediately contact them something that you know pre-social pre-internet was pretty impossible and um porn i mean it's just way too available way too many um different uh choices so you can get as sick with it as, as you want to and it 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 becomes not healthy. You know, it, it's, you know, if you're a human being, you, you should be able to masturbate without any watching any porn or seeing anything. You should be able to just do it on your own. Um, but apparently uh, once, once you get hooked on this stuff, it, it, it grew, it crawls into everything, even your, even your personal life, you know, even your sex life, it, it affects you when you're not uh, watching some of this stuff. So, it definitely, you know, the, the, the porn, I think, has, has created a lot of problems in between a lot of couples. 
I think a lot of guys have some pretty sick uh, porn addictions that their their wife's probably not aware of. And and if they do become aware, they'll have some serious problems at home. I think it, it's something that, that's happened a lot, man. It's different. It's different than it used to be. When we grew up, you know, we had like more magazines, we had stuff like that. And those are hard to get a hold of. Maybe someone in school passed around. I remember in middle school, some kid, he got a hold of these magazines. I don't know how. He, he probably was like fucking molested or something in his house or something. But I don't know how he got a hold of these magazines and he passed around school and stuff. So that, that's, what, that's what we would look at. And then, but the younger generation, they're coming up. I mean, they're 10, 11 years old. They're going on the internet and they're seeing all this porn. So, I mean, that's what they're getting into in virtual reality porn and all this, this stuff that we didn't have. So they're getting extremely addicted to it. And, um, you know, they get so fucking addicted to it that they need, they need to look at porn. They'd rather look at porn than actually have sex. And that's not good. That's not healthy at all. Um, unless, you know, you want to have um, a sexless relationship or a sexless marriage where you don't even enjoy being with a person. Um, and that's just not going to fly. Women definitely need the intimacy guys. And they, they don't want, they don't want you, you know, looking at porn, you know, online, but it's really addictive. And you'll notice too, um, you know, I actually wrote an article about porn addiction. It's on evolution at war. You can Google, just Google porn addiction, evolution at war. And I went through kind of all the things that, all these sexual problems that have been skyrocketing over the past, you know, 15, 20 years have all been exasperated by, by porn and uh, like the erectile dysfunction, the lack of libido, the fucked up mental state of people. Um, the amazing amount of time that you waste looking at porn, the money that you waste looking at porn, that you could be putting toward a business or your career or a job. And then the destruction of relationships. Uh, one of the things that I, I looked at when I wrote this article, I studied it quite, quite a bit, this topic, but most marriages, one of the things in the divorce documents were involved porn where the, the wife actually complained that their husband was looking at porn. So, I mean, it's very, very common and I don't see the problem getting better, Rick. I think the younger generation, they're going to grow up with like virtual reality porn and all these porn sites and they're going to grow up hooked on this shit. And they're going to think that it's normal to uh, pee on a woman or shit on a woman or have the, the woman drink their pee and all this shit and tie them up and all this weird fucking shit that you see on the internet and the dark web and all this stuff that I find disgusting. And, you know, but I mean that to them that they're going to think that's normal, that women actually want to be shit on and stuff. And I just don't see it ending well. I, and then like the, a lot of these porn too, like the, it's, it's just funny. Like the way things are in porn, like, like these guys that are addicted to porn, I actually think women like, to be talked to like that and treated like that. And then they find out in real life when they go on, on dates and stuff and they try that with women that it doesn't work, you know? So I just wonder if um, the direction that we're going with all this stuff and, you know, 
I'm not saying let's ban porn, but I'm saying there needs to be better control over this shit. Like there has to be a way to ensure that underage kids don't have access to this stuff because they're getting fucked up from like 10 to 11 years old in a lot of these cases. And they're going to grow up to have a lot of these dysfunctions. And we're seeing that, you know, you know that, that sex people in their twenties are having half as much sex as people in their forties in this country. I mean, that's, there is a definitely connection. If you look at all the statistics, go ahead. Yeah. So that's, that's a real thing. How people in their twenties are having less sex than people in their forties. That's pretty funny. bro. That's interesting. It's that, that's that uh, generation that grew up with internet all the time. Well, they'd rather go on the internet and, and have webcam sex with people than have actual sex. That's why. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. I, is that really a thing? Are people, a lot of people having webcam sex? I know webcams are huge now, but, um, I, you know, just it, it's, it's just that, you know, human interaction can always get a, a little bit difficult. And if you have something so easy to control as, as porn, um, obviously it's going to be a good substitute when things don't go, which they never do go according to the way you, you envision them with, with another human being. So it, I mean, I think just, you know, just like you put yourself through, uh, you know, through food diets and stuff like that. I think you just ought to stay away from porn and indulging in it, um, as a, as a diet factor. And then when you're with, with your girl, or even if you're a single guy and you do get with a girl, everything will just, you, I think you'll just enjoy it more. It'll just be better. Right. I don't know, man. I think you should just, stay away from it. It's, um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, it should be just that simple, you know, stay away from it because I, it, it's got to fit your head and, and then make it, if you, you know, it's already tough to, to pursue a girl and, and, you know, get into an intimate relationship with her, but we still try because it's, you know, it's the ultimate goal, right? But if you've got, a porn addiction and you can go in and find shelter in porn whenever a girl, you know, cancels plans on you or whenever she's, you know, acting a little mean or she leaves you for someone else. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't go to porn. You got to get back on the horse and try again and, you know, get your game up and all these things to, to, to live a real life out there when you, when you use porn as a, as an escape, uh, when, when girls aren't acting properly, um, you're, you're headed towards a problem because you, you know, dealing with, with women and, and it's no different than any other addiction. That's what people do who are alcoholics yeah. Yeah. or any type of addiction. They, that's their escape. Whenever they get stressed out, they run to whatever their addiction is. And that's kind of their, their dopamine rush that they get. Um, whether it be gambling, yeah, you you alcohol, might drugs, you whatever. might be uh, you might be dating a girl trying to you know get her to see you at this place, or you're trying to get, you know be be intimate with her, and things don't always work out just the way you like them to when you like them to. Then you you have to just keep trying and get better at it. You can't then say, oh, so at least I still got porn because <laughs> it happens. You know, like you said, Steve, it, it's just the nature of addiction. It's something you can control. It's something, you know, your girl may be not doing everything you want her to do, but I'm sure you'll find a movie with a girl doing just everything you want her to do if you look hard enough. 
And that's, that's part of the problem. You know, it's, it's, you should just not indulge, stay away from it. Just be on a diet. It doesn't mean you don't look at anything because I have buddies that send me funny ass shit all the time. And sometimes it's funny as porn, unfortunately, but it's funny to see something for a gag and, but it's a completely different thing to go to it because you're depressed or you're lonely or because you've developed now a, a weird habit where you can only get aroused if you, if you're seen or, or, or seeing some kind of fetish or something weird, these are all signs that you need help, man. And probably the best number one thing is just stay away from it. Stay, keep the fucking porn turned off. Go do other things, and then when you are with your with your mate or you do have a sex with someone or you are pursuing a girl, you won't be as frustrated and it won't be uh you know it it'll be enjoyable. I just think it takes away from everything, doesn't it? Well, it it makes you like if you're having sex with a woman, you're thinking about that porn star, you're thinking about that scene that you saw. You know it 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 ruins it. You want to be intimate with that person. You just want to be thinking about that person. Just want to have her on, on your mind, you know? And um, if you're thinking about work or you're thinking about some stress or it's just, yeah, that's, it doesn't make, it's completely different than just being in that moment. So at the end of the day, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, like, if you're addicted to porn, um, erectile dysfunction, definitely a connection because you can't get it up when you have sex, but you can get it up when you're, watching porn you see what i'm saying that there is a connection there and i i read that 60 percent of men over the age of 40 have erectile dysfunction now and that's pretty pathetic so if you need like a take a, a dick pill every time you have sex you've got a problem and it's probably your porn addiction so if you can get rid of that porn addiction i'm telling you everything will improve your libido your erectile dysfunction you will not have any of these sexual problems that everybody has now nowadays um and you're going to feel so much better. You're going to have like, um, you'll be able to interact with women so much better when you don't get used to watching these stupid porn movies where they, act. it's like watching, it's like women who are addicted to lifetime movies or Hallmark movies. You ever seen one of those movies, Rick, how absurd they are, how absurd the women behave towards the men. That's not the way we want to be treated. Okay. The way those women treat the men in those stupid fucking movies but women watch that they're addicted to watching those stupid fucking romance movies and they think that's what men want and then they do that they act like that with us and we don't like it it's the same thing with women we watch porn and we try to act like the way they do in porn and do the things they do in porn with women and women don't like it you know so it's 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 very similar but to be but let's but let's but let's be fair let's be fair porn aside some women like to get spanked and stuff like that. Not everyone, but some do. I'm sure you've ran across a couple at least, no? Say, say that again. You broke up a little bit. Repeat that. I said, um, I said porn aside, some women do like being a, a choked and spanked and stuff like that. I mean, they are out there. I've ran into a couple of them. I'm sure you have too. But it's not yeah. all women. <laughs> and they're not all going to be into it. But there are some that yeah. really are into that stuff, like really into that stuff. Yeah, it's, um, it's it, you know what, it's, it kind of leads, it's, it's almost like a, a gateway drug. Like if you start watching those types of porn, then you're going to want to actually go rape women, you know, in, in real life. Or if you watch porn with... I don't, 
You know, you're going to want to go really have that? sex with hookers. Absolutely. It's like anything. It, it's like those kids who end up shooting up a school and you look at their history and they play those gun games, video games, where they're shooting in the video games. And then they go, they take that. It screws huh. your mind up where you want to go copy the same thing. I it, definitely, yeah, definitely. I, I, th- I think, I think, I think, I think, I think porn addictions can cause a lot of problems. I'm not sure about the rapist part because that's a, uh, I think that's a big step to take to try to literally, really, physically subdue someone that's that's crying and pleading with you to stop. I, I just, I don't, I don't think any kind of a, a porn programming is going to make you overcome something so crazy. You ever watch that's that got to be dramatic. But I wait, mean, you, I, ever, I, if, you ever watch that the, the, show the, the, to catch a predator? Have you ever watched that show to catch a predator with Chris Hansen on Dateline ABC? Yeah, yes, yes, I've seen that. I've, but I've all seen those that. guys yeah, that they that. bust and those things, they all have underage porn on their computer. So they start watching that underage porn on their computer, right? And then they that goes from that to actually meeting an underage girl in person. That is Absolutely, true. That, you know, if if the if, if the, if they're watching, yeah. If they're watching, it becomes uh, a compulsion. Uh, yeah. and an if they're watching pedal, yeah. pedal, pedal porn, and then and then they believe that they have a yeah. a receptive person on the line that's receptive to their advances to a degree. They, yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're just gonna fuck their mind yeah. up. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I but can, it's not yeah, even porn. It's not even watching the pedophile porn. It's like the, the underage girls sending them pictures. So they start sending pictures back and forth. They get addicted to that, the underage women, and then they want to go actually meet an underage women in real life. They're all, they're all addicted to it. And these guys, like, it's an addiction. So without that addiction, they would have never went and met that girl. So absolutely. I think it's a, a connection for sure. And just just talking about that, any any of you guys out there that have uh, kids in high school, um, you know, you probably ought to have a talk with your with your son and your daughters and Make sure that they don't have any pictures of of themselves or the or people or the classmates on their phones, um, you know, boyfriend girlfriend pictures, weird stuff, because that's that is child pornography, and you could have a one of your kids go through something pretty harsh because he's got pictures of his uh, girlfriend on his phone. They could be uh, one or two years apart from each other, but if he's got a, a picture of her on his phone, uh, uh, showing some privates. It's illegal. <laughs> it's it's uh it's pornography. Even even if he is, uh, and you know, you could, you could have an issue. Something to be aware of. A, a conversation. I think everyone should have because phones and cameras and taking pictures is so easy now. It wasn't like that many years ago. Nowadays, it is. So um, definitely, these kids might not know how much trouble it is to take to have pictures of each other if they're if they're underage. I watched a show about this girl, and this has happened a lot, where they took a picture of her at a party. She was like half drunk, naked. She was a teenager, like in high school. And uh, they posted it on social media. And um, she was like half naked, and the guy was like pretending to have sex with her. And um, she ended up committing suicide over it because everyone was making fun of her and stuff. So that type of shit does happen. So you have to really like be aware of what your kids are looking at online. There are like porn blocker softwares that you can install to make sure your kid doesn't access that stuff. The 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 truth though, guys, is that because um, I have cousins and stuff, and they've you know seen this crap, and it's because friends friends in their school will send them these links and stuff that are fucked up. These fucked up friends of theirs, 
And this is even in middle school. It's not high school, Rick. It's middle school. The shit starts. And they'll send them these links. The kid doesn't even know what he's looking at. He's looking at a naked woman or a, a woman, you know, giving a blowjob or something. They don't, they don't even know what, what they're looking at, you know? And, uh, you know, that's how the shit starts. And then the kid starts looking at those, that type of thing online and it just blows up from there. So, but like I said, we didn't have that problem when we were younger. So it's inconceivable for us how people can be so addicted to porn, but they are. I, I have friends that are um, so addicted to porn, bro. Like you go on, like they'll, they'll have me go on their email. They'll have like 10 pornography sites that they're paying for every month. It's very, very bad. You know, I, I think I had like the same four magazines and the same uh, VCR tape, like all through, all through high school. <laughs> I think I got, I think I got rid of it when I started living with, with the first girl I lived with, just got rid of this stuff. And I, I, that was it. I mean, it was the same, probably one tape and same magazines and that's it. I used to look at like the newspaper. Anymore. I still get the newspaper clippings uh, on Sunday of the bras. And that would be the woman. No, that'd be the best porn I would get. I didn't know if I didn't have access to porn magazines or any of that shit, you know, at all. So it wasn't, I didn't even look at porn for the first time until I was like after college. Cause I didn't even have internet during high school. The only internet I had is at school in the library. So that's another good thing to do. Actually don't have, um, a computer at home that's in a private area make sure it's like in the living room or or have an office and that's one of the things i talk about in my article have an office rent a office space somewhere this way you won't be tempted to look at porn on the computer and then you can do your work and stuff and it'd be a public place and obviously you know you could do it that way instead of having an office at home in a room where you can hide your compete your porn look you know usage so but there's a difference guys between looking at porn and being addicted there's a difference i just want to be clear about that because a lot of you listening to this are like what what is what are these people talking about but being addicted is something i think every everybody enjoy everybody enjoys seeing naked people go at it i mean it's it's everything it's it's a universally uh, uh something every human enjoys but yeah there is a level of it becoming a real problem that begins to to get in the way of life relationships that begins to take serious time away from you that begins to become a problem. And then there's just the, the normal kind of uh, looking at stuff once in a while. It's, it's, it's a completely different animal. I think if you, you'd agree with me, right, Steve? Guys, when it starts affecting your relationships and your marriage and your ability to keep an erection and your ability to have libido and your happiness and your social life, then yes, it's a problem. And you will like women notice a guy who's addicted to porn. They'll notice that. And they'll notice a guy who actually knows how to talk to them as a human being and not as a fucking sex object. And in the, in the moral issues from porn, both the guys and girls that are in porn. Um, what's interesting is that they both, you know, are doing this they're getting paid right so if you're a guy and you're a porn star the way it works is they'll call you up and they'll be like hey we need you to show up in 90 minutes at this studio this is the address show up and you're gonna have sex can you imagine just like having that situation like if you have you can't fucking have a girlfriend or a wife or something and be intimate with her because you have to wait by your phone for, to get that call because if you're intimate with your wife 
you're going to shoot your load for the day. You're not going to, you're not going to have the, you know, anything ready to go. So it's like, you can't have your own social life. It sucks. It sucks for the men and women. And a lot of these women who are on porn, actually I heard Joe Rogan talk about porn addiction in a lot of his podcasts. And he talks about how like almost all women who are in porn were sexually molested as children. And, um, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's sad because they get just degraded when, when they get molested as children. So then as adults, that's, that's why they, they do porn. They don't mind doing the, the porn and getting paid for, for doing that. So you gotta look at the moral, um, aspect of it on, on both sides, you know, in, in that situation. All right, Rick, anything else to add before we finish up, brother? I think it's a good, uh, 300 show. We went through a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, it was a good show, man. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Nice long show. It'll be real interesting to, to see how many people actually listen to the whole thing. I think, I think guys like the format, the short, uh, 30 to 45 minute show. I think it's nice, fast. You get to a week. Um, don't, I think there's a lot of podcasts out there that just drag on for too long, like two, three hours each time. It's like shit. Yeah. But I think well, for the yeah. kind of... We, we, we just want to cover some of the most interesting topics on the forums and some of the most interesting questions we get uh, and discuss them. And, it, you know, for, for that, 30 minutes, uh, 45 minutes, twice a week, it's, it's been it's worked out great, huh? All right, guys. Listen, we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Hopefully, we'll be doing number 1,000 down the line. For Steve Smee and Rick, this is another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Appreciate you guys listening. Have a good one. Talk to you guys later. Have a, have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Take care, everybody out there.